you're locked in on the Leafs Line Podcast alongside your host, Mario Russo, an RTA media student and lifelong Leafs fan. Tune in each Sunday afternoon to find Russo covering all things Leafs until you're blue in the face. Russo will also dive in and dissect all the news and highlights across the NHL, bringing an in-depth analysis of a busy week in professional hockey. It's time for Leafs Line. What's going on, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Week 5, Episode 5 of the Leafs Line Podcast. It is a great time to be alive because hockey, not only is it in full swing, but the Toronto Maple Leafs have played four games and pretty good hockey, to say the least. But first, I don't want to be a jerk here. I'm Mary Russo. Let me introduce my co-hosts here. We got Evan Davis, Jared Rottenberg, Adam Ramoli, and Matteo Colos. It's going to be a fun one. I think we're this will be the first episode we publish on YouTube, probably the first of many. Uh, we'll, we'll be switching up on Anchor, YouTube, whatever we got. And uh, it's usually Anchor has been giving us some fists lately. Uh, it, it usually kicks us out when we have too many guys or the full cast, if you will, uh, on the show. So when we got a bunch of guys ready to go, we'll be here on YouTube. And we're a little lower on it. We'll be on Anchor. So I think that does it. But let's get straight into it. We got the Maple Leafs to talk about big four games. We got uh, some other teams that have had some questionable uh, starts to the year. Uh, to name a few here, the Montreal Canadiens 0-4, the New York Islanders 1-2. and I don't want to say they're too questionable, but a little bit of eyebrows raised because we've expected such great things from this group. The Winnipeg Jets, probably, if it's not the Montreal Canadiens you're leaning towards, the Winnipeg Jets might have the biggest hot seat in the North uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Now I wouldn't say the records concerning, but guys are dropping like flies. And Evan, I think you can agree with me here. We avoided, we dodged a bullet with Mark Stone. He's doesn't need surgery, but uh, there's definitely need to concern. I don't want to touch upon it right now. We will get into it, but I really want to kick things off with the Leafs before we just talk about the Kraken. And of course, one weekend, what have we missed from the league uh, that we've seen now that it's back normal? I guess I'll start there. I'll start with you, Evan. What have you missed the most from the National Hockey League? Now it's in full swing. We've got U.S. teams playing Canadian teams. I've never thought I would uh, be so surprised about this, but here we are in 2021 seeing this to come to fruition. So what are you most excited about over this last week and what's treated you the best? The fans being back, like, my God, like, Jared Adamo, Daniel, and I, we went to the Leafs and Senators, and just hearing the back and forth between the two fan bases, although it wasn't much on Ottawa's side, it was about a 70 to 30 Leafs, it was insane. But In I'm Ottawa, just, by the way. In Ottawa, yeah. <laughs> in Ottawa, by the way. Not even in Ottawa, it's in Canada. Yeah, it was 40 hour Uber, but that's a story for another. But uh, it's it it almost reminded me of the like when the Kings and the Ducks play each other, and it's just awesome. And it it really like gets the players more involved. Like, I can't imagine playing in an empty arena, it just it sucks. But having the fans back has definitely been huge. And to think we went just about well, 56 games last season with no fans in the building. And if you want to add on top of that, if your team was so lucky enough to uh, make its way to the bubble in 20 in 2020, the summer of then, uh, I just can't believe that the fans made this big of a difference. And oh, it is so evident now. Jared, do you agree with Evan? Do you have anything to add on what surprised you the most? Because there's a lot of things to pick at here. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. I think the fans make such a big difference. Just being able to, first of all, be in the building was unbelievable. And just watching games on TV, it just makes such a difference having those fans in the crowd. Uh, but 
overall, really, like, just I, I'm happy to see hockey back. Just being able to watch hockey, being able to look at my fantasy team and see actual scores being added. Like, just it's great having hockey back. Being able to any time of the day turn on a game and just see what's going on around the league. It's just so much fun. One weekend and already there's so many storylines. It's, it's awesome. I'm loving that hockey's back. Yeah, and I could have said it better myself. I mean, I was really happy personally to see uh, that first Leafs game against the U.S. opponent. And one of my favorite rivalries in all of hockey and all of the Toronto Maple Leafs history is Leafs-Rangers, uh, original six matchup. Doesn't get any better than that. I got the luxury to go see one of those games when I was a kid, one of my first Leaf games. So there's definitely a soft spot there. But, man, I miss seeing a Maple Leafs team play an American team. And now we're going to see it this weekend when uh, we play visitor to Mateo's Penguins. Mateo. Uh, not only how are you feeling about that game, but how are you feeling about the first week of hockey in general? So for the first week of hockey, um, I think it's been pretty good. I like the fans and the crowd. It's been, I felt like it has been, um, make the players a bit more hyped for when they're playing. You could see when they go on the ice, they're, um, they're very more excited when they see the fans in the arena for sure. And they get more momentum easier. So for next week, I'm actually pretty optimistic for my Penguins with they're playing pretty well so far this season. I think there are two wins and two OT losses. haven't got a regulation loss yet. But, um, yeah, the Leafs, they're a very good team. They got Austin Matthews back recently. Um, I think this game he's definitely going to try to get back in the motion as he's been injured the past few games. Already played the last game, but I feel like he's going to try to get in the motion. So, yeah, especially with um, Jeff Carter and Denton Heinen kind of impressing. I feel like it'll be a close game, but I feel like I could see the Penguins winning. Or actually, it could go either way, even the Leafs winning. It, I think also it depends on the goaltending with how Campbell does and Mr. Jari with his glove hand. And, I mean, that is if Campbell even starts that game. We're going to have a topic for – debates the backup goalie situation who plays the first game on the Friday night against San Jose and who starts the, the second half of the back-to-back uh, I know Michael Hutchison will be one day uh, this weekend making his uh, season debut so let's hope it's probably against the San Jose Sharks as against a hot Pittsburgh team like they are right now I don't think that kid can uh, withstand the pressure and Adam I'll turn it over to you before we touch upon the Toronto Maple Leafs what was your favorite part of the first week of the NHL season uh, so much things to look at so much things to pick at what can you make of it I've never been so excited to hear the American national anthem in my <laughs> life. Uh, that was that was good to see. Uh, we talk about like the fans, I guess. Well, it's really the Canadian fans. We were deprived of it. Uh, you know that was going it's going on all year around the states. But I think you guys kind of hit on every point. Just fantasy's back. Uh, betting on sports is back. It's just it feels like we're back to normal. Like I know the pandemic isn't hundred percent over, but you know, it feels like we're almost there. We're almost there. I, lo I love your positivity. And I just have to admit here, first off, before we get into anything else, I have an addiction for fantasy hockey. It is, it has come to a, a really tough spot where I'm checking it every two to three minutes. It's, it's I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys follow up with this, but man, no, no, I, I definitely do. And I'm in a, I'm in a little bit of predicament with some of my goalie situation. Uh, turns out leaving your goalie to like the hundred tenth pick isn't a great idea. <laughs> uh, I'm in a paid league and my two goalies are Linus Allmark who hasn't played a game and uh, Cal Peterson. That's Oof. it. Cal Peterson's good. He's been gross, but he's like, He's like a 1A. He isn't a mm -hmm. starter. So 
kind of been boned on that end. Yeah, it's, it's a long season. That's all I've been telling myself. It's been a pain seeing the yeah. offensive numbers my guys put up. But, <laughs> hey, uh, that's game, what, three to four out of 82. We got a long ways to go. And another team that has a long ways to go and wouldn't even look that far off considering their first four games was pretty decent. The Toronto Maple Leafs, the – Finally, we get to discuss them and get into them. They're two, one and one so far this season. Losses to the Ottawa Senators, as unfortunately you guys, or most of you guys, saw uh, down in Ottawa. And an OT loss to New York Rangers, which a lot of people, for some odd reason, made a big stink about it. I personally thought it was an okay game. Adamo, I'm pointing fingers at you here. What was the reason in there? Because, I mean, you, you pepper Gorgiev, Gorgiev uh, Shesterkin with 41 shots. I mean... He had a good game. What else can you say? At some point, is it, isn't it it the Leafs' fault? Why is it always, why is it, oh, they got goalied? Why have we never goalied anyone? Jack Campbell was on a 20-game winning streak or whatever the frick it was. I think it was 11 games. 11. And he did, we, we, there wasn't a game where it was like, oh, the Leafs goalied them. No, it was the Leafs outplayed them. I, at some point, you got to get it done because I'm tired I'm sick and tired of every year. Oh, we out expected goals. Them. Oh, we out chanced them. Oh, and we lose. We lose. We lose. And at some point, games like this sting. Like, I'd rather lose a game where, you know, we're flat out outplayed because we know, okay, shit needs to be fixed versus a game where, no, we outplayed them. We just couldn't get it done. So that's what really uh, grinded my gears with the Toronto Maple Leafs against the Rangers. Um, I, I see where you're coming from. I mean, uh, I'm just, I've seen so much heartbreak in my life. I've seen those times where they're peppering the goalie with 40 to 45 shots and they lose in the last minute. I'm happy they got the point and brought up probably the best entertainment piece three to five minutes I've ever seen in my life. That OT was probably the best overtime I've ever seen in hockey. Like it was outstanding. It had everything you needed. And even the Minnesota wild game last night, that one was a pretty good overtime finish as well. So I, I absolutely see where you're coming from. I think the heartbreak for me just kicks in a little bit more seeing they actually hung on to the point and I got to see uh, a two-sided battle. And of course, like I mentioned before, least Rangers is primetime TV. I haven't seen it in forever, but you're, 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 you're on the right track when you're saying it's, Maple Leafs have to finish out these games. Like I know it's early in the season. I don't want to ever really use that as an excuse because the focus is the regular season. We like, this is where it starts. You should be getting playoff ready by game three, game four. That's how much it means for this team. But I don't know. I think you have to come out on top, maybe an OT, but the regular season or regular time, I think they should have got the two points, but Shastark can shut the door. Jared, what do you think of that game? Too big of a deal. Should we calm down a bit? Did the Leaf fans hit the panic button way too many times to open up the season? What are your thoughts? Uh, well, I'm sort of conflicted on that because I definitely agree with Adamo's point. I think it's definitely a problem that constantly there's games where the Leafs deserve to win and we're the better team, but we can't get it done. So I think it's definitely frustrating. But at the same point, I, you have to look at the way we played and we played an unbelievable game. We, we looked like a great team. And at this point with the regular season, like I don't care about a great regular season. I want to see us make the playoffs and finally have success in the playoffs. So the fact that we played a game where it looked like we were dominant, we looked like the better team, gave me positivity as a Leafs fan, and I don't think it was worth freaking out about. I agree it's still it, – it's not worth using the excuse of, oh, it's so early in the season. But at a point, you have to look at, okay, it's four games into the season. We looked like a good team. We performed and had a great game. Yes, Shisterkin, uh shut the door on us and we didn't end up getting the two points. It was frustrating. I agree with some frustration there, but I don't think it was worth the the panic that was going on on Twitter and the, the panic all over the internet. Because at the end of the day, we looked like a good team. And that is something that made me positive as a Leafs fan. 
I can't complain if they look like a good team. That's that's the bare minimum, at least for me. You need to look like a good team. You have to be getting to a great team when you're looking to those measuring stick games. I know Babcock uh, coined that term when he was with the Maple Leafs. Those measuring stick games to get the Lightning, the Panthers, the big-time rivals that you're going to be facing six, seven times in your division, and you have to win more than half of them to not only get into the playoffs, but to show you're the real deal. Uh, I think there's many other teams, obviously, that follow, but – I, we're still missing that game. I think it's going to come up pretty soon. I don't know when they hit hit up one of those teams, but that's when I'm going to really make or break for this Maple Leafs team, what these guys are made out of. And I think that's a fair point to make. And I don't know, this Leafs team, I'm happy with what they're doing. Uh, the injuries has been tough. That's That's been a tough pill to swallow. You got Mrazek. Uh, he's on the shelf now for two weeks with a growing injury. Uh, Nick Robertson, I know he's not on the starting team, but he's out 10 weeks with the Marlies. He broke his leg. That's a big blow. Um, Justin Hall was out for a game with an illness. I don't think that affects too much, but guys are moving around and it's, it's really, I don't know. Are you concerned about these guys all moving around? We know how the Leafs deal with the injury bug last season was a big attack to that. And they paved their way to a playoff spot this year. I think they're going to be tested just like many other teams are the quick turnaround from last season to this season could play a big role in that as well. So I'll start with you, Evan, what do you make of the Leafs injuries and more specifically this goaltending situation you're running a Campbell and Hutchison. And not only just that, you look at Campbell, he hasn't played more than 31 games in, the, in his NHL career. You look at Mraz, he's played just 12 games uh, all of last season. So but, but adding these two teams, these two guys together, there's not a lot of experience there. Is that something to concern? Is that something for us to lose sleep about? What do you make of it? Yeah, and I just want to quickly, just two seconds, go back to your original, like your first question that you yeah. had asked. Like, we went when we went to the Ottawa Senators game, the Maple Leafs put up, I think, 46 shots on goal. And that's great. In the last game, they were out shooting the Rangers at one point by 20 plus shots. And like I understand they look great, but at the end of the day, on the standings, it's going to show that they only got one point out of those two games. Like you want to have a great regular season to position yourself for the playoffs better. You want to be able to have one of those top three seeds and I think the whole thing for the lease right now is that it's too much quantity and not enough like quality. Like we saw in that senators and Rangers game, there were just too many shots that were kind of thrown right in the bread basket of Anton Forsberg and Igor Shesterkin. Like they're just not any great day chances. So great. You have 30 shots on goal, but if 20 of them are right in his wheelhouse then there's no, like, I don't really care how many shots on goal you have because it's a matter of how many go in the back of the net. In regards to your question about Mrazic, I said to the guys, even like when they signed, like when we were in Ottawa, like it's a great signing. If he can stay healthy, lo and behold, right in that game, he gets hurt. Like we saw last year injury bug bit him and he didn't play a lot. And that's why Nedeljkovic was so high for the Calder because he was able to step up and they stupidly let him go, but he was able to step up when Morazic was hurt. And now you have that same issue. And now the 3 million that you paid him is basically going to be him sitting at home most of the time because he just can't stay healthy and you have him locked up for three years. I just, I don't know. Campbell, I'm a little less worried about just because he was also playing with Freddie Anderson. And at the time, like you still got to give Freddie his minutes and you got to give Freddie his games when he is healthy. But I think Campbell is he's a veteran like he knows the longevity of a season yes he hasn't played in a, in like a 60 game season like in terms of him starting 60 games but he knows what it takes like because as a backup you got to be ready to go in at any moment 
Yep. And what scares me the most about this team, it's very small. It's no one besides can't like, if we're one more injury away from being in an absolute goaltender crisis, uh, throw it all down there and you're trading for a goaltender. Michael Hutchison, if, 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 let's hope this doesn't happen, knock on wood, Peter Mrazek's already out, Campbell goes out. You got Hutchison and what? Uh, not Alex Bishop, but uh, what is his name? He's the line Yeah, there we go. Uh, those are, that is not something he, we got it from Columbus, did we not? Was that him? Yeah. So those, yeah, it was a, it was a little bit of a strange trade, but we got him. He's in the system and it would be extremely tough to see him and uh, Michael Hutchison play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. That is not something, not an avenue you want to go down. And if they do, boy, you're in big trouble. And I think Kyle Dubas would do the honors of pulling a trigger and finding out a goaltender for the time being, because you know how important uh, a five-game window is, a 10-game window is in this division. It means all the difference. Look at the Montreal Canadiens, for example. They're already scuffling, and they're making a big uh, hoorah out of it. So the Maple Leafs would be no different. But I don't want to go down that road because I don't want to, I don't want to see it personally. It's not something we want to see from the player standpoint and the team, because that's a whole headache of problems waiting to happen. I'll, I'll turn it over to you, Mateo. You haven't gotten the mic in just a little bit, but uh, what do you make of the goaltending situation in Toronto? And before I turn it over to a better topic, that it is Mitchell Marner. I know everyone here is looking to dig their claws into him. Uh, what do you make of the goaltending situation in Toronto and that we're just one injury away from full out chaos on the ice? So the goalie situation in Toronto, I think there's no need to panic as I feel like Campbell could carry the load. Um, I feel like last year, um, near the end of the year in the playoffs, you showed he's an elite goaltender and every goal goalie has been, um, hasn't been experienced before. Even Martin Brodeur, uh, the goat, uh, Tristan Jari hasn't been ex- experienced before as well. So I feel like as him as an elite goaltender, he's this year is definitely going to be able to play more than 31 games. The only thing I'm worried about is Michael Hutchinson because he's a pretty bad goalie and he seems to be like a rash for the Maple Leafs as he always seems to play almost every season, like in the past three years. He just keeps coming back and starting for games. Um, So yeah, for sure. I think if Campbell uh, stays on his game for at least a few games and Hutchinson doesn't play as bad as he played in the past, the, the Leafs should be good for the future. And it's not Campbell I'm worried about. And I'm sure all you guys agree. Campbell's not the concern. He's, we know we're getting at a Campbell. I'm extremely pleased of what he brings. It's, there's nothing wrong with him. He, he does, he comes in every night, gets wins, makes big saves. And he, he keeps us in there a lot of the time too. So he's not the concern. It's just that something, he has a tendency, something happens to him. He's out for a little bit. That's what's the concerning part. That's what I think not enough of what the Toronto media is hitting home on. We're just one injury away, one tweak, one little toe save, and you're you're really wreaking havoc on, havoc on this team. So I think it's just something to talk about. I think we did it justice. Let's just hope we don't have to do it even more justice and go down this avenue any further. And this one, this, this topic I really want to get into, Mitch Marner, uh, this kid, man. This, this guy has really, my thoughts on him has changed so, so much. It's taken a full 180 on this kid because he doesn't get it done. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to go on a ramble on him before I get to you guys. I'll start with you, Adamo, because I'm sure you'll probably <laughs> give the best. You'll, you'll, you'll serve my words nicely. What do you make of Magic Mitch right now and how he's playing? And yeah, what do you make of him, man? Um, 
Okay, I'm not gonna overreact. You're not gonna get the big reaction out of me that you wanted. I'll give but... it to you. I'll give no, it you to might. You, you might. You might get a little bit out of me. Um, no, you're you're right. You got got to get it done. Um, you're making. I could swear, right? Like a little bit. You can swear. Actually, I don't. Know. We're on YouTube now. Oh yeah. I don't know. Poop. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> let's keep it. Let's keep it PG, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's not swear. Um, he's making frick you money, so get it freaking done, Mitch. I'm I'm sick of it. I don't like that when when Mitch Marner and I'll even give John Tavares some of the blame too. I don't know if we're gonna hit on him later, but when those two are on the ice, especially Mitchell, I'm not noticing an ice tilt like I do when William Nylander's on the ice. Like when William Nylander is on the ice, you know, yeah, well done, Jared. You know, it's something is gonna happen. Like he's gonna take the puck. He's either gonna skate it end to end. He's gonna find a teammate. And he's going to make things happen for the team. He's going to make things happen for himself. Whereas when Marner's on the ice, it's like, okay, maybe he might get like a, a low danger chance. Okay. Maybe they're hemmed in their zone, but with Nylander, it's constantly um, like in the other team's zone. It's constantly on his stick. Um, I guess I made this more about comparing the two, but you know, it's been about comparing the two their entire tenure. Like we'd have these, you know, who's overpaid, who's not overpaid. At some point, you know, one point, fun stat, Mitch Martin has one secondary assist this season. He didn't get a plus for it because he was on the bench. I think it was a power play one too, so he wouldn't have anyways, but he was on he's on the bench for his own assist. So he hasn't been on the ice for a point this year. Um, make of that what you will. It's, it's ridiculous. And to credit Nylander, that guy's been phenomenal. By far the best leaf on the ice. You could maybe even throw it to Michael Bunting. He's been terrific. Uh, we'll touch yeah. upon him in just a bit. But uh, the, the local boy there, Michael Bunting. Uh, Nylander's been awesome. The one thing I've learned, or learned noticed from his game, he's, he's vicious on the puck now. He's in those corners taking the puck off of just about anyone. He's not scared of anyone. I think that playoff round against the Habs when he was the leading goal scorer, that, that evokes some confidence in that guy. His legs are moving. He's a totally different player than what we would have, were accustomed to seeing uh, during that contract year when he was trying to sign it. Uh, just following that signing of the contract, he was he was fine, but there was in the discussion, like you were mentioning, Adama, who's overpaid? Mitch Marner was in the spotlight at that time, and Nylander was suffering. You got something to say, Evan? Yeah, I do. I want to piggyback off what Adama was saying, but I also want to bring in a new point. Like, I like I get a lot of like backlash. From, I think. Mitch Marner is seriously overpaid and I not like only not only like one or two like I think he should be making seven to eight million dollars and I'll tell you why Mm. I'll tell you why because if you look at these if you look at the games that he doesn't where Matthews isn't on the ice will or Mitch Marner looks absolutely irrelevant like he doesn't look like uh, he's not a guy who can create for himself it's more like that's why he has like 16 goals and 50 assists. And that's why Mark Matthews has 40 goals because Marner can get you the puck, but he can't do anything for himself. We saw in the games that he's playing, like he's just, he's trying to do too much and he doesn't know what to do without Matthews on the ice. It just like, I just, I, it shouldn't be 11 million. And when you're also like, and even we're talking about cap constraints, like, you gotta like you gotta differentiate. Is John Tavares more important to you, or is Mitch Marner more important to you? And whoever not, and whoever that second person is, they need to take a cap. They need to take a money hit, or you, or you gotta do something because you can't have 
three number one guys and paying them number one dollars. It just doesn't work out. And we saw that they had to call up a guy from the University of Toronto because they can't afford to bring up anyone else. We hate the U. We hate the University of Toronto. Can I? Can I, make a, can I make a comment on that? Go back okay, and forth, so, man. I, I'm, I'm. No, 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 no. no, no. The, just the U of T thing. Um. So I, I work for Ryerson. I work for the hockey team. So I was actually at Ryerson's first preseason game, where um Alex Bishop, the U of T goaltender that they were going to call up, or did call up was in net and um, he let in three goals, I think on the first, I want to say six shots in like eight minutes. And then um, I, I forgot what the exact number, I don't think I could even say the exact number, but I looked into the analytic too, that we were, cause we were tracked that game too. And um, it was not particularly good. So I was ridiculously scared when, um, well, the Leafs announced it was this guy that I literally watched, you know, the friggin' Ryerson Rams just absolutely light him up. Um, but shout out to him. He went to Bill Crothers too. So it's a oh, Bill Crothers nice. boy, high school. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. But uh, I don't know, like Tavin, to your point, well, I guess this isn't really to your point, but I, I obviously understand what you're saying. Uh, I, I would obviously lay the exact same reasoning just looking at this season. The one thing I do see, it's not about Marner's, like we all know what Marner can do. Uh, we've seen in the past, he's got actually 50 points in 41 games without Austin Matthews. So it's not about him not getting it done without Austin Matthews, his inability to make plays for himself, at least for me. I think the stats just say it there, but it's just how he's, this is for me. He says every off season, and you can go back and look at the recordings every off season. I'm working on my shot. I'm working on my shot. I'm going to develop my shot and I'm going to score. I have never World club or like, where the fuck is he going? To I, get that's shot? the thing. No, but he keeps on saying it. And this goes back to the point we make for the Leafs insanity, trying to do the same thing, expecting different results. He goes back to the well every single year, the off season tries to make different things, adjustments to a shot. I've never seen a difference. No, I have. I can't say like, I hate it when he tries to shoot the puck. I, I agree. Play it. You're a playmaker. You're making money because of the passes you make. Now you're not playing with Austin Matthews for those past four games, or sorry, three games rather. It's past the puck still. That's where you make your money. That's your bread and butter. I love. And you continuously try to shoot. Oh, go on, Adam. Go on. No, I just I love every year. Mitch Marner will score maybe two or three goals where he absolutely snipes on a guy or one timer, <laughs> and it's oh, remember Mitch Marner can shoot, and I'm like, no, he can't. And like Mikheyev was doing that. Mikheyev was sniping too, and he can't shoot. Um, yeah, he's just every year cooking in the lab at the sports village. Um, he just can't get it done. That's all. I, it's That's what I've noticed. It's really easy to see. I want to look up his shooting percentage. It's ridiculous how low uh, it has zero, to be. Zero. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <It's scored. laughs> uh, anyways, I want to turn over to Jared. I know you have stuff to say, Jared. What do you make of, I guess, Mitch Marner, if you want to bounce on any other points you made, because be I haven't turned it over to you because you're, you're always <laughs> okay. positive. Shine some light on it. Uh, I, I like Mitch. Mar- I, don't get me wrong. He's over. We love him too. We ten, love 10. him. $10.8 million dollars is ridiculous. What Evan was saying though. Oh, he should be making seven or eight. Yeah, that is too low. That's ridiculous. But that, that's why like, if you watch the video back, I was like frustrated about that, but no, he, he deserves <laughs> to be paid less. $10.8 million dollars is ridiculous. However, I, in my mind, I think Leafs fans are really jumping on this guy right now. And that has to do with, you know, bad playoffs. And now his first four games of the season were not good enough. Don't get me wrong. He has not been good enough right now. And he is not able to drive a line by himself. He has not been the player we expect him to be. 
in my mind, though, let's say he had a good first four games. I think no one's saying these comments. Let's say he's a good next four games. I, everyone's changing the narrative on him. So I'm not ready to jump on him yet and say, oh, it's a horrible season. This guy sucks. Get rid of this guy, whatever. However, I agree. He, he needs to start producing more because this guy right now has not been able to do it by himself. He In the past, he has. Last year, he was top five in league scoring. But I agree. To start the year, he has not been the player we expect him to be. He's not been the player that the Leafs need him to be. And he's paid the big bucks right now. It's time for him to start showing up. I like him as a player. I, I know you guys too. I'm not saying I, I know I'm not saying you guys don't. But I'm saying, yeah, I, I like Mitch Marner as a player because I know what he's capable of. And I think as much as I don't expect him to be a sniper, that isn't what he does. I know he practices and works on a shot. We aren't expecting him to become the next Austin Matthews. That isn't the role he plays. The role he plays on our team is to be a playmaker. It's time to start making some plays and actually getting the team to produce. And yes, the Leafs haven't been bad to start the year. I mean, we're 2-1-1. One, and one. We haven't been horrible. But I agree. Mitch Marner needs to start doing some more. He needs to start producing more. And it's a little bit ridiculous how he started off slow. I do think Leafs Nation needs to chill on him a little bit, though, because I think it's very reactionary after. I don't like saying, oh, it's only the first four games a lot could change. But it's an 82-game season. It's a f- the first few games. He needs to be better. However, I think people need to chill on him a little bit. Every time a player signs a contract, oh, look, Mitch Marner makes this. At this point, knock it off. We know how much Mitch Marner makes. Cheer for this guy when he deserves it. But it is fair sometimes to be critical of this player because right now he's not played good enough. Yeah. Like he's never heard of the Toronto media before. Like yeah, they That's always... what I was going to go into. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you kidding? Like, and, and if, if Marner has 10 points in his next five games, they're going to be stroking this guy even more checks. Like... <laughs> That's that's the Toronto media, man. That's uh, what we're that's what we're going into. Yeah, we're gonna we get one we yeah, into it. Like Marty, we're gonna one of them one day. Already... Not Jared. Jared's gonna be always. He's always gonna look at the bright side, and I love it. I love it. I love Jared's it. gonna work for the Kings, where like if they're bad, they just already accept the fact that they're bad. <laughs> the rebuilding. <laughs> no, but, right, baby. But but to to bring it back to Mitch, I I think the least the Toronto media casts him as the villain way too much that's not what he is we don't hate mitch you said it jared yourself we don't hate mitch marner well, we just no. we have well maybe I, Adamo hates mitch. I, I, no i think <laughs> but like to your point to your point though the reason why the bar is set so high for him is because he did it to himself by signing to a 10.8 million dollar contract so yep. once you set the bar that high like if you're not averaging over a point per game and if you're not starting off hot it's like what did you do during the off season like your playoffs were terrible. Like, didn't you want to have a bounce back? Like your bars already set so high because of you're making more than Rantanen, McKinnon, Landiscott. Like you're making Marshan, Bergeron, like all of these guys you're making more than. I mean, you got to make, you make your bed, you got to sleep in it, right? Like yeah. that's, that's basically what he did with that contract signing. Now, I don't want to go all the way that far back, but we expect a little more from Mitch. I've seen the points. I mentioned it off the top. He's got 50 points in 41 games without Matthews. I expect to see something like that. We didn't get it. And am I, is it the end of the world? No, it's not the end of the world because there's another, like you mentioned, Jared, uh, some odd amount of games. There's so much left in the season. Uh, Marner's definitely going to still put up, put up, I think, 80 to maybe 90, 95 points with Austin Matthews by his side. Like, we know what we're going to get from him. So let's kind of chill it out, but there's still reason to – be concerned. I, I, I have a bone to pick with Marner. It's just been too much. And that playoff was the last straw for me. I'm not, this is not going to be the final last straw. Be all end all this last four games. Oh well, yeah. We're going to be back. Like we'll be Fitch Marner is back next year. If the Leafs lose in the first round, Marner he flips still, another puck over the glass. <laughs> he's still on the team. 
we're not going anywhere. So we just kind of have to write it out with this guy. Um, but it is. But Start the core. Yeah, let's not think about that yet. Yet. Let's wait for yeah. it. Let's enjoy <laughs> enjoy the season. One question. Do you guys think that Marner will make the Team Canada for the Olympics? Too much. There's too much, guys. There's too much too uncertainty. Much? Too much. He's in the conversation. He's in the conversation. He's in the conversation. I he would probably be like a fourth or th- fourth or third. I mean, like Canada's just stacked. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing I against the player. Think he will. Yeah. I think he will, like, I I think he will like confidently too, just because what they've said, and th- th- this is t- it's coming from like the president, the CEO of the Mitch Marner Hate Club. Um what Canada's doing, they're trying to like fill out a role. Like they're trying to fill out, they're not just like like stacking the teams, right? So what Marner d- can bring, he's like still like a, an elite penalty killer that can play make. I think oh, yeah, it'd be unreal, they, yeah. right? Like beside like a, I don't even know, who does Canada have like a sniper? Like a Stamkos, could you imagine? Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. I, I think he's probably going to end up making it, or if not yet, like, He'll be in the conversation. He'll probably be in it till the end, and we'll see if he ends up making it. But I agree with Evan. I think he'll likely be, if he does make the roster, he'll be probably third liner, is what I'd predict. Yeah, that's what uh, I was but going with. It's, I'm so excited for the Olympic when the roster start being announced. I know like the first three players will be announced on every team, but like, oh, I'm sure we'll, we'll get over there. That. We'll get into that. Like, yeah, I'm so excited for that. Sure. I, mean, I think yeah. we'll definitely be in the conversation. Like Morgan Riley also from the Leafs will be in the conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah, if they want to get bounced out the first round, why don't you just bring in Jack Campbell to? Oh, hey. I'm kidding. I'm... Hey, it's been unbelievable. Hey, <laughs> hey. Oh god. Anyways, no, not, well, not saying he's going to be on Team Canada, but Jack Campbell's <laughs> been unbelievable. Like I, I need to, I need to go back on that. He's not Team Canada's Olympic goalie, but Jack Campbell's been really good. They'll bring him for the trip. He's the best locker room guy in the league. There's, Probably. there's no. There's no they're question going, about they're that. They're going to Red Lobster after the game. <laughs> oh, yeah. They got one in, in China. They're a Red Lobster in China, maybe. Because that's what they're playing, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yep. yeah. Yeah, I think so. China. Yeah. Yeah. Canada's going to absolutely ruin the Chinese men's national team. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. No, we'll, we'll get into the Olympics closer to the time. It's going to be a fun time, man. I, I haven't watched the Olympics just like you guys have in such a long time. I'm looking to get back into it. And I'm sure we're going to have some good coverage on it as well. Uh, I'm, I'm going to enjoy waking up at 1 a.m., 2 a.m. to watch some games, but oh, yeah. it, it, it is what it is. It's going to be fun. And before we transition to the rest of the league, I know the Leafs is a big topic here. One final question, and I don't know if it's that self-explanatory, but who's been the best player, the, the best new acquisition? Who's been producing the most for you guys? Uh, I personally believe Michael Bunting. I thought going in it was going to be Nick Ritchie, but uh, my boy Michael Bunting stealing the show with two goals, and Nick Ritchie's as uh, slow as molasses out there on that top line. So I, I'm sure he's going to pick up with more Matthews time. Let's Too hope. much poutine. He's a big boy. That's his nickname. Big boy. <laughs> big, no, but like for seriously, what do you guys make of what What do you guys make of uh, the, the offseason acquisitions and who stood up to you the most? To start with you, uh, I'll start with Mateo. Uh, what do you make of any of them? Who's your pick? Yeah, I'd agree with you, Michael Bunting. He's been a force out there. There's a reason why he's a fan favorite amongst fans. Um, yeah, Nick Ritchie looks kind of trash, to be honest. He looks slow out there. Um, he looks like he's been, like Evan said, of some poutine before the game. <laughs> he's having a, what's it called? The wow from Smokes Poutine. Oh, my God. <laughs> if you know, you know. If you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I'd ha- definitely have to go with fun thing for sure. What about you, Jared? 
Uh, I, I have a feeling Bunting's going to be the answer for every single one of us. Like, Bunting, like, he, he's the home run answer. Like, he's been unbelievable, ultimate net front presence. Like, he's always there. He's always pissing people off. He's been unbelievable. Like, I expected I'd like Michael Bunting. I did not expect I'd like him this much. Like, he is exactly what the Toronto Maple Leafs need. He's constantly pissing people off. He is a staple. If you ever want to know where is Michael Bunting, you look at that net, and he's always in the other goalie's grill, just pissing them off. He is... Uh, like, I am loving this player. I, I expected I'd like him. I did not think I would love, love Michael Bunting this much. He is unbelievable. Do you now think seeing him for four games, he's the best compensation we could have got for Zach Hyman? Um, On the market, at least? I, I don't know about that. And I still think Nick Ritchie will end up being the replacement player of, of Zach Hyman because I think Ritchie plays more of that role where he's going to be the guy with Matthews uh, – getting them the puck and I still expect that he's going to be another like uh pest type of player who where he's going to get the he's going to be physical and he's going to get the stars of the puck so I think Richie's going to play more of that role even though he hasn't quite done it yet uh but Bunting he's not really the Hyman role in my mind he's more of like the, the JVR role like he's just always in front of the net like he's just always getting in goalies girls I love it that's a fair point. And I mean, I, I always sort of, at least for me personally, I thought he kind of fulfilled the Hyman shoes a little bit, not because he's, well, he, well, obviously he didn't play with Matthews and Marner, so he's not feeding those guys the puck, but his playing style a bit. I like the way he goes to the net. He's net driven and he's always around that area, getting into people's grill, like you mentioned. So I think that's just another element that we, maybe we didn't really see too much of Hyman, but I mean, regardless, I enjoy watching it. We're seeing it on the score sheet and we're seeing it in the win column as he's contributing to it. So it's fun to watch him uh, go. I think he's obviously the clear cut one here, but I don't know, uh, Evan, Adamo, do you guys have any other uh, objections to Michael Bunting? Is there another player that stood out to you? I know Nick Ritchie's off to a slow start, but even uh, Kasha, he's been pretty solid That's on the penalty. Actually who I was going to yeah. say. Um, obviously, yeah, Michael Bunting's been the best one. I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat it, but Andre Kasha has been unreal. Like, like looking at some of his like advanced stats here, they're pretty good. Like, like 52% expected goals. And that's, that's what you want out of a third liner. Um, and like you mentioned on the penalty kill, he's been pretty good. Um, I don't think he's the Andre Kasha that we're going to get from Anaheim and that's okay because he's still been, he's still, he's still been good. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say he's been like great, but just a little shout out to him. He's been, he's been cool. Got to give him some love. And Evan, do you jump on the love train with Casa here or are you uh, going a different direction? I don't know. Like, I really do like Michael Bunting. I just don't think he can fill that Hyman role because, I mean, like, I know it's been a few games, but Hyman definitely provides more offensive upside throughout the year. Like, Michael Bunting, I know he has, like, two goals. It's been, like, hell. Like, a lot of guys start off hot, and then, like, slowly as the season progresses, they start to die down. We've seen in large sample sizes that Zach Hyman is someone who can remain consistent throughout the year. But – in terms of what was available on the market and at the value that the Leafs can afford, I think Michael Bunting was your best option because like you, obviously you weren't paying Zach Hyman 7 million a year. It is now 6 million a year. Uh, got five, five and a half, I think. Five. Okay. So somewhere like in the, in the mid range. Too much. I don't yeah. think it's too much. Like I think that like for what he brings to the Edmonton Oilers, like he brings that penalty. He, he brings the same thing to the Oilers that he brought with the Leafs. I think Michael Bunting is like uh, a Loblaws version of that. Like he's just like a smaller version of that. But I definitely think like 
for what Kyle Kyle Dubas had to work with, like I think he definitely made the most of most of it. Yeah, definitely made the most of his opportunity. No one's complaining about Michael Bunting. He's been the clear cut shot uh, as the most terrific uh, sort of new arrival for the Toronto Maple Leafs, if you will. He, I, I like the way he plays. He's no Zach Hyman. You mentioned the consistency is not going to be there, and I think that's a given. He's not going to even in Arizona. He was a hot and cold guy. You got something, uh, Adama? David Kampf. I was gonna, yeah. I, I wanted to. I was gonna touch yeah. upon him in just. A I, I love David Kampf. Dude, I totally forgot about him. I was like, hold Who? on, who's, who's the guy? He's penalty killer. That, that, he's been unreal. He, he's Go like on, a quiet Jared. guy, but I, I love it. He's, I, he's yeah. such a good sentiment. And he's honestly, he's a lot better offensively than I expected. Like he was, he moves the puck. He's pretty fast. Like, well, he's a Chicago boy. They they are offensive yeah. over there. I, he scored. I think he scored one goal last year. But like. Not yeah, he's there. Old. No, he, and he's he came in, good. said he's going to shut down their best players, and that's all he's done. Hey, he yeah, has been. Like, credit to him. Two years, 1.5. At first, I was a little little iffy because I'd never heard of him, but I like it now. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree because when uh, the, that signing was first announced, everyone was like, who the, f- who the F did Kyle Dubas just find for like, what? what is it, $1.4 million or whatever? Yeah. Everyone's like, who is this player? Like, what is he here to do? Do like no one really understood the, the signing, but yeah, I, I'm loving it as well because he's such like a yeah. I agree. There's no offensive upside there, but he's such a good, just a solid player. He's gonna win you faceoffs. He's gonna penalty kill well. Like he's just actually been surprisingly noticeable, and he's actually like he. I, I'm loving him so far. He's been a great addition to the team. Yep, and you mentioned the faceoffs. Uh, I I just looked this up. I don't know if it's still accurate, but I, they're definitely in the top five. The Toronto Police through four games rank. Uh, in the top five, at least the last time I checked, it was second in the faceoff. God, they've been terrific there. Definitely something that's been overlooked. Uh, they've been that's a, that's where you start off with it, the puck in the offensive zone. You win the faceoff, you're set. Before, Go on, Evan. Before we wrap up, I think this yeah. just all like circles back to like all the points we were making before. Like I remember like when Jared was watching the game last night, and I heard like in the background like. Or, no, I'm sorry, when I was watching overtime, like the Leafs won like 70% of the draws last night. Like they dominated everything. Like I, like as much as Montreal is having a meeting, I think the Leafs need to have one too, because for all that offensive power and like they're dominating face-offs, shots on goal. Like if you're winning face-offs, you're dominating possession time. Like it's just a matter of now getting the puck in the back of the net. Like that's their one issue. And I think I think they need to have a meeting almost like they scored one or two goals against Ottawa, both power play. They scored one against New York. Like, I think they just need to have something because like they have all the right pieces. It's just like the finishing touch. Oh, uh, one thing I'd like to say to respond to that is I don't want to see us scoring those regular season type goals and, and run up the score six nothing. Like it looks like what the team is trying to do is score like those score those more <laughs> playoff style goals, and I think that's what we're we're trying to do. And I think that's the reason why we're more of a low lower scoring team right now than is maybe expected. But like I'm like like it looks like we're trying to score more of those like gritty net front like uh, crappy kind of goals, and I actually don't mind that. Like I don't. I don't need to see a, an eight to six like that game in Carolina. Like I don't need to see a game like that because that is the type of game that is not going to contribute to playoff success. Like even though yes, it was a fun game to watch and we ended up coming away with a win in that game, that isn't the type of games that's going to contribute to the playoffs. I want to see that we're we're winning those low scoring, those greasy games. So I actually I don't hate that we're we're not scoring lights out right now. Obviously, it's it's nicer to see and it's more fun to watch. 
but I, I'm liking that we're uh, finding other ways to score than just running up the score every night. Like I, I like that we're scoring more of a playoff style goal. The one thing I want to see going forward, I think this is gonna be the last thing we're gonna say about the Maple Leafs. Quick responsive times. I want to see them if they're going in a game oh my God, yes. on uh, on Friday night when they're facing the the, uh, the Sharks. They put up what forty one shots against Shesterkin. I want to see you have a fast start in the first and get on the board, maybe score two three goals. You respond after not being able to find the back of the net, and now you're potting in goals left, right, and center. They uh, struggled out of the gate getting those fast starts. They were never showing up on time, as Babcock would always say. And in that game, at least against the Rangers, they showed up. I wouldn't say on time on the goal uh, on the score sheet, but they were relatively productive in the offensive zone for 15 minutes of that period. At least they were extremely uh, offensive. So I think mm-hmm. it's coming. If you can cut that time down as short and short as possible. I think it's terrific. And you go into your point, Jared, if they're going to get start getting uh, into a playoff format, it starts now. Adamo, I know you touched upon it, Jared. I know you said it was just four games, but still these four games, they got to prepare to the playoffs. This is what it all means for at the end of the day. If you can start getting it now and focus on that responsive time, I have nothing to complain with this Maple Leafs team. And if you're getting the wins, you're helping out in the, uh, in, in the win column and you're going to end up maybe most likely making the postseason. And this is when it's all going to matter. So mm-hmm. I think the, for four games, we're, we're fine. That's, that's the good part, bare minimum. But we're also, I think, not exceeding expectations, but meeting them in a little bit of then some. I think it's all coming together nicely. The offseason acquisitions are looking nice. Nick Ritchie maybe is a little bit left out, but everything's sort of gelling together. And the thing that intrigues me the most out of all of them is really the face-off dot. I, I've never really seen that of the Maple Leafs, but finally I'm getting to see something like that happen. I can't complain. And I hope it's sustainable. And let's hope for these teams in specific, these starts that they've had, what a segue for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Somewhat smooth. It was a little, I, even, it was a little... I noticed one earlier too. You, one of your transitions, it was pretty good. I'm impressed. Yeah. I've been working on it. And good at this. I'm getting good. <laughs> You do it for what, 35, 40 weeks, you should, uh, something should stick. So uh, they're starting to stick now and let's hope something sticks. There's another one. Let's hope something sticks for one of these teams as they make their way down this important stretch of games for this group of teams. I mentioned them off the top of the show. I'll reiterate them once more. The Montreal Canadiens, probably the ugliest Canadian team we have seen. Those Canadiens are 0-4-0 this season, four losses on the year. The New York Islanders are another team. They're 1-2-0. The Winnipeg Jets, the second, I would say, the second hottest team, or on the hot seat, rather, uh, in the National Hockey League. And in Canada, they're 0-2-1 to start the season. In Vegas, like I mentioned, they're 1-1. One one. Evan, you keep giving me the dirty look. I'm a little uh, concerned here. Yeah, I'm not saying about the record. It's not their Check. play. It's the guys that Check are just yourself. They're just fall. you can't blame me. They're they're in a not a crisis, not a panic, but they're big Check guys are dropping. <laughs> Anyways, well, uh, we'll start with I wouldn't say we'll start with the Habs. We'll start with whatever team you want to start with. Evan, Vegas. All right, Vegas. we're going now. Go, go <laughs> ahead. I was gonna say which team should we panic about the most, and which no, team we okay, shouldn't. Well, not but... them. Uh, they haven't looked great though. To be fair. I don't think like the results are fine. I don't think they've looked like a, like they look like a team that could use the number one center right now. And uh, there is one on the market. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this, Evan? <laughs> um, yeah, you want to take that away? Yeah, I actually don't know what's I'm, I'm, now. I'm well, what center? Michael, uh, no. 
Oh, Eichel. Eichel. The one oh, in Buffalo. God. Oh, my God. You know that I guy can... in Buffalo? Dude, I completely okay. – Buffalo is such a waste of space in the NHL. Like, I just completely forgot about it. Hey, hey, hey. Buffalo is hey, flying right now. talking about President's Three oh and oh. Yeah, I mean, like, here's my thing. Like, I don't – like, I – like when you're talking about Vegas, I like I didn't even realize that Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone were hurt. Like I was watching the game, like I didn't notice them leaving. Like I didn't notice them go to the locker room. Uh, Pacioretty's out. Okay. Neither did my dad. So like, piss off. Like I just didn't notice them going into the locker room, and I thought they were still on the ice. But like, like it's. This Mark Stone doesn't need surgery. I didn't think the Max Patch already, like whenever he left, like I didn't think it would require six weeks. Like I just didn't see that one coming. Um, you know, in terms of, I mean, they've only played two games. So like, it's not like there's that much to really like discuss, but um, I, I like if the reports in terms of what you're talking about with Jack Eichel, if the reports are true that Vegas is inquired about Jack Eichel, one, it wouldn't make sense because they just traded Marc-Andre Fleury for like a bag of Doritos because they couldn't handle his cap space. So bringing in a guy like Eichel who makes three, I'm sorry, he makes three million more a year than Marc-Andre Fleury. Like you're going to need to be giving up some of those guys on the second line, like Marcia. So I believe he makes around five million. Carlson is uh, somewhere north of there. Um Riley Smith is also in that bar in that market, but like, I just don't think Vegas wants to break that team up. And also like, I'm just not a fan of Eichel with Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty. Like I, I just, I really don't like that fit. Like it almost like, I, like, I just don't like that fit. It, it's too much on one line. And I know like you could look at other first lines in the NHL and say, well, it worked for them. Like when you look at those first lines, those are lines that developed over time. Like when you look at Bergeron, Martian, and Pasternak, like they developed over time. McKinnon and Landeskog with Rantanen developed over time. They went through the farm system. They slowly made their way up the ranks. Like when you bring in those three together, I think it's too difficult of a pair. Yeah, I mean, you, you're not wrong. I mean, I would not want all those three guys on one line. I think it'd be best in their in their best interest, most advantageous for the Vegas Golden Knights to split those guys up. And then have there's no point in trading for it. Like, yeah, if you're, I, I if you're not putting him on way. the first line, there's zero point in trading him. No, I don't see a point for Vegas even trying to get into the mix. I think they're fine the way they are. And even that cap space, what's the point of losing Marc-Andre Fleury if you're going to just erase it for Jack Eichel? Because personally, I do believe for the Vegas Golden Knights, it would be Marc-Andre Fleury to be more important than Jack Eichel would, especially with his uh, injury history. But I, I don't want to focus on Jack Eichel right now. I want to focus more so on these group of teams. And the only reason why I put Vegas in there was just simply because you, you lose a bunch of key players. They're going to end up being just fine. Be fine. They're going to be ruling that division and they're going to get rocking. I think they uh, kick it off tonight. I think they're facing St. Louis. Yeah. has got the nod as well. So uh, we'll see how they play in there. I think it's their third game of the year. Yep. Third yeah. game of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, somewhat depleted lineup, but I think they'll still be strong enough to take on the Blues and handle them pretty easily. Uh, but I want to go back to these teams, more specifically the Montreal Canadiens. It's I think the panic button has been flipped open and smacked all around because an 0-4 start for a guy like uh, Bergevin, it's not, not a good look. And I remember this guy was on the hot seat last season as well. And I think this is my hot take. You want to hear it? 
So we'll there's it. the Montreal Canadiens got 20 games uh, until December 1st. If they don't win half of those, Bergevin is gone. What do we make of that? Oh, I think he's going to leave, actually. Isn't I think there, he's like, rumors fired. that he's just, yeah. oh, fired? No, that's I what I'm saying. I think like, anything's going to get canned. I, I can see it. I'm surprised he didn't get fired after signing the dude who literally said, don't try, like, after drafting yeah, the dude that, that said, was don't one mistake. <laughs> that was bad. That and in the first one. round, like as if any other team was lurking. Yeah, they fucking him. reached on him too. He wasn't even a first round talent. Yeah, like as if any <laughs> other team was looking at this dude who wants to send pictures to his buddies. Like no one was like, oh my God, McDavid, who? <laughs> yeah, back to that Bergevin take. I don't I don't know what to make of it. Like if we want to talk about the Habs a little bit, they they really do suck. But in Bergevin's defense, they're missing Price. Um, They're missing Shea Weber, which isn't their fault. If anything, um, Shea Weber was, like, lucky because I'm surprised Shea Weber was still playing till as long as he did, knowing the injuries that he had. Um, Price Price is doing a great thing. Good for him uh, getting help. But, like, losing Dino was pretty bad. Losing Kotkaniemi was pretty bad. Um, But isn't it your job? Is the general manager to fill in those holes? It is, but he's been around for so long and he's done yes, so yes. much questionable shit that if those if he wasn't fired back then, if he wasn't fired back when um like even at the beginning of the season, like they went on that crazy run to start the year and then like like through that second part of the season where they were just dog shit, that's probably when you fire him. Like I I I don't know. I I I probably do charm goes first, but I just they just um, signed him too. I don't know. They just signed him. Like, you can't yeah. the coach. You it's can't Ber- it's, the coach. it's all it's on Bergevin now. I I think he's had his chances. They've worked all the way up the ladder. Claude Julian's already gotten botched. He's yeah. out. And, yeah, you know uh, what? Like Bergevin's the one guy who stuck around throughout everyone has... else is shuffling of chairs. Yeah, he's I next. Think this year's. This is his last year in his contract. I do know that. So maybe yeah. they just say, "The fuck with this. We're leaving, and we're." Uh, tanking for Shane Wright. Oh, can you imagine? Oh, no pain, no Shane. <laughs> oh, is that the thing? Is that the thing? Is that, is that the rally call now? There's a thing. Everywhere. That's what I heard. Yeah, no pain, like, no Shane. I, I kind of like it. Or the uh, what's the was the oh, there was one for Owen Power too. I forget. Um, is it like I, I say sour for Owen Power? I don't know. Sour oh, for man. Power, yeah, that kind of works. Um. <laughs> Hank for McDavid. I think that was just a thing. Like, that's a class. It doesn't McDavid. even rhyme. It's just kind of classic. Yeah, because it's just like Tank for McDavid or Eichel. Yeah. Um, it's not what be. the classic ones are like. Fade for Cade in the NBA. Like Fallen year. for Dolan's the best one. I love yeah. Fallen for Dolan. <laughs> Fallen for Dolan. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I love Fallen for Dolan. Fight, fight for right? Could that be a thing? Ooh, fight for right? I, I still like no pain, no shame, but that's just me. Yeah, I like t-shirt that. ideas. No pain, no shame. That's ideas. really good. Uh, I didn't create. I'm not taking credit for oh, it. I didn't create it. That is really good. Trending. Yeah, Dama, you man, you're a money machine. You got to start. You got to get on that. That's back to back episodes where you come up with this great idea for a t-shirt and you get to put it on. Like I'm waiting. <laughs> I need to get on that. Is- you will be rich. I taking I'm, this mic. I'm copywriting that. You guys are making a cent. <laughs> well, I mean, I know I know their agents. Anyways, oh. I want to I want to return this one to the the hockey standpoint. The the fact that the Montreal Canadiens are just zero and four, and then the, even the Winnipeg Jets zero two and one. Hey, which which not pointing any fingers, Donald, but, but which, which team idiot. isn't going to be able to uh, 
which team isn't going to be able to rebound from this? Like, which one's in the bigger hole? Like, I'll start with Jared first, then I'll work your way to you, Evan. Um, sorry, the question is which team is in a bigger like hole which, right now? Yeah, which one's in the worst position? The, the Montreal Canadiens are. Because I think at, the, at this point, going into the season, like, it was known they were going to take a step back. Like, to begin with, they didn't have a good season last year. They I don't want to say they fluked into the playoffs, but I mean, they would have made the playoffs in a regular year. They would have been 12 points out. The Leafs, I'd say, single-handedly made Mark Bergevin uh, a GM of the year contender because he was not – like, they had a very bad year. They were not a good team. They made their way to the finals because the Leafs gave them confidence, and then whatever, they lost in the finals. And then going into this year, it was known they were going to take a step back. And, yeah, that it shows they're not a strong team. Like, they – it's I, I hate to say that they suck because it's like, oh, they just made the Stanley Cup Finals. But no, they are not a strong team. They took a major step back. They're starting off the year 0-4, and it's known that they aren't going to be very competitive, especially in the Atlantic to begin with. So I'd say at this point, like, they, they might as well start tanking. And I hate to say that four games into the season because, yes, a lot could change. We saw the St. Louis Blues in 2019. You know, they were last place in January. They ended up winning the Cup. But I, I still think it's just – it's it's pretty known they're just not a strong team to begin with and they're starting off the year horrible and it doesn't really look positive there at all like I mean the fact that they called in a press conference to address the issues on their team four games into the season is not a very promising sign at all uh and then I'm just quickly looking at the the Winnipeg Jets right now I mean the Winnipeg Jets yes they aren't doing good right now but it's three games into their season and yeah they they lost two they lost one in overtime but I, I still think they have the pieces there that they should be competitive. And yes, it isn't working out now, but they at least have a roster where I'm like, I could see how this works. With the Montreal Canadiens to begin with, it was known they weren't going to be very good. And they're almost just proving everyone right there. So I think Winnipeg, it's definitely possible that they could turn it around. It's it, it's pretty doable there, especially in the Central. But I think for the Habs in the Atlantic, it's, it's pretty much done with. And I hate to say that this early into the season, but it, it does not look promising at all right now. Go ahead, Evan. Yeah, like I'm going to go with the hot take, and I'm going to say that I think the Winnipeg Jets are in more trouble, and I'll tell you why. We already knew going into this season that Montreal wasn't going to be well. I didn't expect Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki to start off this cold, but I already knew goaltending was going to be an issue. And losing a guy like Shea Weber, who's your captain, like that affects your locker room in so many levels. Like not having that voice can be the difference in you winning a one goal game and even losing a one goal game and even going into a tough matchup, like no disrespect to guys like uh, Jeff Petrie and even like a leader, like Nick Suzuki, who's proven that he can really step up. Like there, it's not the same veteran presence and voice as Shea Weber. I'd say Winnipeg because, and I understand their defense is a little streaky right now since I'd say about, 15 games from last season up until now I don't know like I'm really not a fan of Connor Hellebuck and I'm like I understand defense plays a factor into it but I'm looking at the games that he's playing and the goals he's giving up like some of these goals that we're seeing him give up are goals that like he we've used to see him save like even if you look at Mason McTavish's first goal when the Ducks were at home versus Winnipeg like that's a shot that goes right in Hellebuck's chest falls out and falls right into the hands of Mason McTavish which ends up being a difference maker in that game like it's just I like whatever happened last season and I know like Hellbuck was playing teams like Edmonton and Toronto like high scoring powering offenses 
you still like that's no excuse to be giving up five to six goals each stint like you can't be doing that each game and your excuse can't be oh it's Connor McDavid oh it's Austin Matthews like you're in the NHL like I'm like no sh- pull a soap here no shoot like you're playing the best of the best like these guys aren't playing in Russia like you're playing in the best league in the world you can't be giving up that amount of goals regardless 100% you want to say something Jared oh uh, yeah so I just wanted to comment on that the reason that I think Montreal I completely agree with everything you said there the reason I think Montreal is in, in a worse position is because Winnipeg right now yes they're doing terrible but they at least have the pieces where you could see uh, how yeah. it could work thank you he's Connor Hellebuck say. as much as yes he isn't playing well right now we know what he's capable of and he can easily turn it around Montreal doesn't even have the pieces there right now where, where it's easy to see them turning it around like Winnipeg has all the right pieces there. It just isn't clicking right now. It's early in the season. They can very easily turn it around. And no. the big the big example I look at is St. Louis, where it was like, like in 2019, they made a lot of off-season acquisitions. It was like expected they were going to be a good team. They started off horrible. Eventually, all their pieces clicked, and they ended up going on a run and winning the cup. Winnipeg, not that I think that's going to happen, but Winnipeg has the pieces there. It's just they simply aren't working. You look at Montreal, they don't even have the pieces. Like, I don't even see a way that it could it could work like I, I just don't see their team turning it around yeah no I'm just saying like they from the last 15 games including playoffs which Winnipeg got swept until last 15 games playoffs now it's concerning and that's why like because that's why I said hot take because you already knew Montreal was going to be in the dog pound like you expect Winnipeg to be a top team we all did and I think I think I, I don't know I, I like both what you guys are saying uh, Jared, I absolutely agree with you. They have the pieces. I think for the Habs, it's just, I think it's the inside, like the players. I don't know if you guys t- took a glimpse, not just at the scoreboard yesterday against San Jose, but the way they played. I watched a bit of the game. No work ethic whatsoever from those players. They did not look like, you're telling me, in the one of the biggest, debatably a top three hockey state in the National Hockey League, playing in front of your home fans who, let's face it, you haven't seen a packed house in quite a while, if you want to exclude the playoffs, whatever have you, that was even limited capacity. But uh, you haven't, you're playing in front of a packed house at home, one of the biggest hockey markets, and you come flat to a San Jose Sharks team, one of the worst. Well, I wouldn't say one of the worst, but the uh, part one of that. Of the worst. They're one of the worst. You can say it. Really ugly team. And they dish you out five nothing. They wash you out. Like, you're, if that happened to the Leafs, oh. Buddy, and I know they're doing it in Montreal because I know Montreal how it works. It's just identical to the least media, sometimes even worse and more harsh. But again, languages. in different languages, <laughs> you got to listen to two sides. But no, it's the Montreal Canadiens is the inside. And I think that's harder to change. You mentioned uh, Evan, the captain plays an entirely uh, big role in that situation. I think they're seeing it right now. Bergevin is taking the blame for it and rightfully so it's his group he should be taking for it but it's also those guys on the ice who need to want it and I think the Winnipeg Jets thankfully are in that situation they want it we saw it last or last night where they were in that game they didn't want it enough maybe to win it but they still want to get into it and they want to continue or have success because they know they have the pieces to do it I think it just has to click for them but uh again I don't know do you want to say something Adamo and then I'll switch it over to Mateo because I know we haven't given you uh too much time yet as well and then we'll just maybe run it over to Seattle but Adamo take it away yeah yeah Montreal has looked so bad and I'm not complaining because screw them um (laughs) no bias no bias (laughs) no what is bias their third line is Mike Hoffman on the left well that's pretty good 30 goal guy Brendan Gallagher on the right, 
Well, it's a pretty good 30 goal guy. Does anyone want to guess who their third line center is? Uh, Perot? Is it Perot? No, the guy who flips the burgers at McDonald's across the street. <laughs> Might as well be. Mike Camilleri? No. no? Mike nope. Camilleri? <laughs> nope. Nope. But I, I taught his kids how to skate. That's a story oh, for I, another I, time. I see it. I see um, it now. I'm looking at Daily Face. I don't got it in front of you. Who is it? You said Adam Brooks. You'd be correct. Boy! <laughs> <laughs> i hated that man i hated that adam brooks leafs legend leafs legend, i was just about man. to say jared like anyone who like touched a leaf is a leafs <laughs> legend <laughs> yeah it's 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 brutal man like winnipeg i think they'll be fine just because we're worried about the i'd say a top two goalie in the world at times the best goalie in the world i think he'll bounce back to at least be an average goalie so they'll they'll be fine but montreal they're in the mud. Like they seriously might get Shane, right? Do you guys hear my dog barking in the background? Is, is, yeah. it, is, it, a, is it a house okay. fan? You better gut that they're, thing. They're sounding off well right be. now. Might as well be. Yeah, there's someone at the front door. But yeah. yeah you better gut that dog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Habs look like shit. They they look pretty bad. Yeah. And I mean, we, we've kind of covered it all, but Taylor, do you have anything to add about the Habs, Jets, even if you want to go to the Islanders? I know they haven't looked too pretty, but still it's early and they're a dominant team, no matter which way you split it. What do you make of the list I provided and which teams that are the worst, the Habs, Winnipeg Jets, what do you make of it? So I think you could do the autom- auto- automatic panic button whenever you lose the Buffalo for nothing. It's just automatic. You have to hit there for when you lose the Buffalo. Oh, was it five, nothing five. even worse. Even I didn't even know they had five one. guys on their team. Yeah, I think it was five. It was five. <laughs> Give me five Buffalo Sabres, go. Five, and, yeah. Jeff, and Jeff Skinner scores a goal. And then, <laughs> then it's an automatic panic button for sure. I think Winnipeg, I think it's still a bit early for them. Um, like like Jared said before, they still have the pieces. They got Hallebach, who has proved to be a Vesna candidate, and Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley. So in that perspective, definitely Winnipeg has a more optimistic future as I think Montreal looks like a joke of a team. And like at least the past 10 years, they've had like third liners like on their first line, in my opinion. Like going back from the Brian Gionta days, like since then, like they haven't had like a true number one center, if you think about it. Like Mark Bergevin hasn't really gone out of his way to get like a number one center in the past 10 years, basically. So, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say about the Winnipeg Jets. Transitioning to the New York Islanders, I have a few things to say about that. The New York Islanders are um, a very interesting team. Um, like, we were talking before the show that they weren't very good defensively. I think if they stick to Barry Trotz's game plan in the next few games, they could for sure um, – fix those defensive issues for sure like like last year in the in the playoffs they're a very defensive team and they shut down like when i was watching them play against the penguins they were shutting them down almost every line not that hard um, to do <laughs> oh god bringing no, oh. about the chat from yesterday no oh god oh, oh i was gonna say getting, like it was getting I, personal <laughs> it was getting personal a little bit me between me and Adam. um adam pollock was shutting down Sid for a lot of the series so I'd say in the future for sure. And I would say one thing that the Islanders are suffering right now is they don't have Samen Vermolov in the lineup right now. As I feel like Ilya Sorokin is not really a number one goalie right now. 
he's kind of a bit like on and off in my opinion, Sorokin. Um, especially like he's like a few games he plays good and a few games he plays bad. So I feel like when Vermala gets in the lineup, mark my words, I think the Islanders will be first in the Metro mm. by Christmas. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. <laughs> no one's seen that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, the no Islanders, I got faith in them. They're solid. They're a defense. We've always talked about it. They're yeah, they'll be fine. There's no concern yeah. there. Yeah. Easily favorites to still run the table in the Metro. And I mean, if we want to just look right back at the Jets and the uh, Montreal Canadiens for the last time, I, I guess you could just look at it this way. Paul Maurice has a puzzle to put back together with some miss- missing pieces that he got linked together. Bergevin's dealing with a shattered glass. Like these guys, he, there's nothing there. There's nothing there that he can do. The players, like you mentioned it, third line, their whole team's third line players. Take a, take rid, get rid of Caulfield and uh, Toffoli. Suzuki. Suzuki. And Suzuki, sorry. Gross. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's, he's a decent player. But uh, no, t- t- take, take away those guys. You're a bunch of third line players. That's the biggest problem I've had with the Habs in the past. Finally biting them in the butt. At least fans, it's kind of nice to see. But uh, from a hockey and from so a hockey standpoint, up there. Yeah, until Shane Wright's uh, ripping, <laughs> ripping stuff bar down against Jack Campbell and Michael Hutchison because you know he'll be the starter one day. One day, <laughs> gonna find his way back. He'll find Mark his way. My word, he's still finding his way. He's like a rash to leave. He's always there. He's always playing somehow. Michael Hutchison. I don't know how. Yeah, he's a bad rash. Spreads throughout <laughs> the team. They usually play bad with him in there. But uh, no, he's probably a good guy. I don't know. Yeah. You get kicked <laughs> in the teeth that many times. I'm sure you grow some thick skin. <laughs> Fair. Anyways, uh, another team that should be growing fixed in, and it's basically because we thought they were going to be pretty good, or I wouldn't say pretty good. We thought they'd be like offensive, productive, but this team's been nothing but that. It's been a week of firsts for this team. I think you know where I'm getting on to. Uh, for the newest member of the NHL family, These Seattle Kraken. They unreal sc- transitions. Oh, thanks, man. I, going, I, I appreciate buddy. it. Keep yeah. going, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they're, they scored their first goal in their franchise history, scored by Ryan Donato, of course. Uh, they took their first loss to uh, the preceding, preceding expansion team, the Vegas Golden Knights. That was pretty interesting. They took their first win in franchise history to the Nashville Predators, and they laid their first goose egg of their franchise history. One, hopefully not of many, to the Philadelphia Flyers. It was ugly in <laughs> six-to-one fashion. And they dropped a pair of one-goal games, which – uh, I don't know that I think that might be a common theme, something to look out for, uh, especially throughout this season, because I don't know if this team has the right ability to come back and even shut the door on some teams when they're up. I think it's going to be a common theme with this squad and something to look out for. It's just personally one thing I've seen from the Kraken and biggest thing of all that almost everyone's been talking about Philip Grubauer. This guy has fallen back to earth and has hit a brick wall. Uh, he's showing just how much a team can carry a goaltender uh, in the National Hockey League and how it doesn't work always the other way around. Uh, we've already got their, they already got their face knocked into the Flyers uh, on Monday, falling six to one. We knew the Seattle Crack would be mediocre, not that great, not as the Vegas Golden Knights were, and they went to the Stanley Cup final. I know it's early, but I expect to see a lot more noise coming from this team. Would you guys not agree? Like, what do you, what do you make of the first impression? What are your first impressions with the Crack? And Evan, I'll start with you. I'll go first. There was a reason why Evan Davis didn't draft Philip Grubauer and why he did last year because he's on call. He was on Colorado. Now he's in Seattle. Like I knew he would be good last year because the team in front of him is disgusting. Like you could put Stevie wonder at goalie for the avalanche. He's, he's a Vesna candidate. Like the team is unreal. 
Jesus. <laughs> Jerry's having a ball. <laughs> but anyway, like, I, I think we did get spoiled with the Vegas Golden Knights. I think also it didn't turn out as well for the Kraken because teams realized what they needed to do this time and they were a little unfamiliar last time. Like, there were a lot of, like, sneaky trades that Vegas made in order to be like yeah. – oh, you give us a first-round pick, we won't take your player. Let us use that first-round pick to get Mark Stone from Ottawa. Like, they were smart with it. And I think that was the problem that Seattle had, was that they couldn't really, like, fleece your team. And because guys, like, then now managers knew, like, oh, this is now how we have to handle our cap situations. And this is who we should protect because we saw from Vegas, look what happened. So I think it was unfortunate for uh, Seattle in terms, like, and again, with Philip Grubauer, like, I think there was a reason why Colorado said we're willing to let you go is because they think that anyone that's semi-decent can be a goalie, like can be a number one for them. So it's like, fine, like you want to get your money. We respect that. You're just not getting it in Colorado. I, I think his value would have skyrocketed, actually, if he was in Colorado. He would have had the records. He would have gone to the arbitrator and say, listen, my numbers are stellar, top of the league. Get, let me make my money. But I it's don't not think him. he would have won the arbitration. Like he wouldn't have won. I don't arbitration. know how those talks work. Yeah, it's I don't normally know. like normally in the middle. Honestly, that's what happens. Like, I think he'd make good money though with Colorado. Oh yeah. I don't know if he would have because it was a matter of if you're going to keep Landeskog or Grubauer, and they made the right choice. No, I mean that's. I think that's what he means. Like. No, yeah, yeah. He had to pay him good money. That's like, yeah, I just personally don't think he deserves, like, I like starting goaltender minimum is five million in my eyes. Like, that's how much your one should be making. I thought he should have gotten five and a half and that, and like cap it at that because it's too small of a sample size. Like, get paid a little bit more than guys like Demko, but like still a little less than guys like Flurry. Like, I think that's a perfect margin to put him in. He opened our eyes though with the Kraken. Like he's been, he's been. I don't think it. anyone's really surprised. No, I think we kind of expected this heading. I mean, in like, he, like real hockey fans like aren't surprised. Like people that no. like follow it like religiously aren't surprised by the downfall by Grubauer. Yeah, he's the topic of discussion by far because yeah. you're mixing in those hockey fans who kind of expected, like you said, and all those new guys, even the new followers of the Seattle Kraken, saying, "Well, what do we just get? We just got a bag of yeah. poop here on my doorstep." And but no, we we kind of knew Grubauer was going to follow this path. It was hard to follow up, especially with such a dominant team who carried most of the workload for him and kept the, the sheet clean mm-hmm. and the way clean as well in front of the net. Like they did almost all the work for him. It looks like I think he's going to rebound a little bit. I don't think he's going to be as bad throughout the rest of the season, but. Definitely not a good look for Kraken fans, for fantasy owners who bought high on the uh, the Groot train here. But I don't Can I know, say nothing. one last thing before I end this? Go ahead, man. Stevie Wonder, if you're watching, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wow. All right, I'm done now. You guys want a fun stat on the Kraken? No, I don't care Kinda. about the Kraken. How about, how about not, 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 not the Kraken? The, the, it's more around the Toronto Maple Leafs. Is it a good one? Um, it's going to be a Jared McCann related thing, isn't it? Jared McCann <laughs> would be leading the Leafs in points. Yep. Like, yeah. <laughs> hey, we got Kerfoot. Hey, Kerfoot he scored. Kerfoot did score. He scored. Kerfoot is part Kerfoot of. Scored. What? But Kerfoot, Kerfoot is part of like the face off winning. 
I don't care. I take I, points I over face-offs. Yeah, but McCann has you better. Oh, now we'll take points over face-offs. Okay, but when Evan said goals, we're like, oh, we don't want goals. We, we want, like, the... I mean... Oh, he, he, I think McCann, McCann would definitely be the leading goal scorer, too, on the Leafs. He's, like, five points in four games, McCann. He's been pretty he's good. A good. He's a good player. He's a great player. He was on, he was on the Penguins. He's a really good player. Yeah, good I depth care player. about the Penguins. He's got a bone to pick with your play. penguins. Yeah, I know. Always yeah. a shot. He hates it. I'll turn it over to you, Jared. What do you make of the Kraken? What's your first impression on them? Grubauer, all that. Jazz. I mean, so obviously they've been underwhelming right now, but I just want to say, like, my prediction is still. I, I do think they're going to pick it up a little bit. It's been a slow start, obviously, for them, and I think because of that, it's kind of not been as talked about. Like, I when Vegas came into the league, and yes, it had to do with them winning a lot. But it was just such a, a big story. And I, at least, I don't know if this is just the, the things I follow on Twitter or whatever. Like, I haven't heard a lot, a ton of talk about them. Like, I, I expect that they'd be marketed better. Uh, but that, that's a story for another day. I think they're, they're, it's, there's no question they're a bad team right now. I mean, they're they're one in five. Sorry, they've won win in five games. Uh, however, I do think they're going to turn it around. And my prediction going into the season is that they'd make the playoffs in a wild card spot. And I'm just going to say, as much as they're horrible right now, they are still currently tied for fourth in the Pacific and are in a wild card spot. So the prediction isn't looking crazy because they are not looking good, but they are thankfully in a pretty bad position. And I think they're somehow going to still make the playoffs. I think they're going to be a solid team. I actually do. I like the piece they have there. Yes, it's no question that Grubauer isn't on the team he used to be on, and he's going to, his numbers are going to struggle as a result of that. But I still like their team overall. Their jerseys are beautiful. Um, (laughs) and I think the team will, as it starts to click and as they start getting chemistry, I do think their numbers are going to get somewhat better. And I I do still think they're going to end up uh, cracking a playoff spot. Uh, it likely will be in the wild card. I don't think they're going to win the division like Vegas did, but I think they're going to be a good team. I, I like the pieces they have there. Obviously it's not starting off great, but the fact that they're in the Pacific, they are currently in a playoff spot with one win in five games. So you never know what's going to happen with those Kraken. No, it's, well, it's time to get cracking if you're the Seattle Kraken because the time is, I was say running out, but it's time to make some noise. I know Evan with that one. That was nice. Shocking. <laughs> yeah, sh- shocking. Like a, he wasn't ready. I get like a three. Three out of ten. Tough crowd. Tough crowd. Tough crowd tough crowd yeah. No bites. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I'll, I'll turn it over to you before we like transition to maybe a more appetizing topic and more uh, fun topic. Oh, Jesus. Wow. Dog going off. Dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, what do you make of the crack in your first impressions? I know you mentioned James McCann, uh, Jer- James McCann, Jared McCann, Jared McCann, too much, like our Jared. Too, much, too much, too much baseball in here. Uh, Jared McCann, yeah, you're, you know, I know you touched upon him. What do you make of Grubauer? Their first impressions, take it away. Yeah, they look pretty bad. <laughs> like, that's the general. That's a general <laughs> word around here. Like, we we pretty much hit on everything. Um, Vince Dunn, I've actually liked. I think he's a really good player. Um, Jared McCann, I'm still pissed off that we didn't um take him but um i yeah i haven't been pr- impressed by a lot of guys that i thought it would be jordan eberly being one of them he's been like non-existent um uh, i like alexander wenberg i actually wanted the leafs to go after him but um he's made quite the bit of money in seattle i think he's making like 4.5 but like they they look like an average team i think i i just had their money puck up and i think they're at like like bottom we got one two three four five bottom six and expected goals um 
which is not great at all. And if we're talking goals for percentage, so like who scored all the goals, they're fourth last at 30%. So there's not much to say on them. They're an expansion team that, um, that fit, fits the brand. Um, another fun stat, because I just love stats. Maybe it's more of a fact. They have lost a third of their team. The team that they drafted, 33% of them aren't on the roster anymore. And all they've got from those 33% was a second round pick and two fourths. That's it. That's all they've gotten. Mm. And you compare that to what Vegas did where they were literally charging teams like first round picks to not touch their players. Don Francis might need to step it up here. I think they came in on the bad time. I think that's evidence with what Vegas did in the yeah. past. They, they just, like you mentioned, Evan, the GMs knew what they were walking into when they yeah. got on the phone with Ron Francis uh, around the draft time. Like you knew he was trying to maybe going to try to swing it. You're not falling for it again. I know. Uh, th- I know a lot of teams made their mistakes against the Vegas Golden Knights. That's the reason why they're so successful. You're not doing that with the Seattle Kraken. I, I think I don't know. You could look at it the other side too. Like they came in at a time where the Pacific Division sort of scuffling a little bit. There's a, there's more room to improve there. You're you've now put yourself a little bit over the top with the California teams, that trio there who's still sort of rebuilding slowly, but surely. So I think they come in at the right time to maybe get into the playoffs, maybe make a little bit of noise, get some recognition around your brand. But aside from your roster and what's going to look like in the next two to three years, especially this year right now, it was a tough, tough timing for the NHL to expand upon the Seattle crack and into those parts of the Pacific Northwest. So I think it's going to be a common theme seeing their mediocrity, I can see them stepping it up, maybe going to a couple of hot streaks. Jared, you were talking about that. But again, you mentioned Adamo, those goals, four percentages, they do mean a big difference, uh, especially on the score sheet. That's what's going to win you games. Putting the puck in the back of the net, as obvious as it sounds, it's what remains true across this National Hockey League. You need guys to score. They don't got it yet. Maybe they'll fix something. Maybe they'll get grab a piece to fill that void. But the early return on the Seattle Kraken is we were too naive, and I think it's just a little – a little too much. Like th- there's nothing really there to intrigue me just yet. Not nothing too much. And I think we're all going to say the same thing. I don't want to run in circles here, but Taylor, do you have anything else to offer anything different to the bring to the table? Cause I think the Seattle Kraken are just a one-sided uh, fan base, one-sided story right now. Yeah, I definitely like agreed with Jared's take. Like, I feel like um, they're definitely going to make um, it'd be better halfway through the season and they're they would make a wild card spot because how bad their division is and what a joke it is um for sure they have like a few good pieces on defense with Giordano Larson and you know what you guys were talking like about Grubauer it's it's just four games so I don't know he could definitely make a comeback for sure maybe there is a case that in Avalanche he was carried by their amazing decor and offense so yeah I would for sure say that I think the Kraken still can make a uh, transition to a better team, but they still are a very bad team on paper. Yeah, they don't pass the uh, the paper test, that's for sure. They don't look too great there. Jared, you want to chip in, chime in before we move on to some big signings that we got into? I'm just going to say, and Adamo is right, the team obviously has changed since the expansion draft, but at expansion, I think Seattle looked better on paper than Vegas did. And Vegas was rolling purely off of momentum and they were clicking as a team, whatever. And obviously it was a great story. They made it all the way to the finals. It was great. But I think on paper, even I'd have to look at the rosters day one, Vegas, day one, Seattle. So I can't say this with 100% confidence, but like 
at least in my mind right now, I think I like Seattle's team right now better than I liked Vegas's team in their first year because Vegas's team was purely rolling off of momentum. They they all bought into the system of oh we're these these ragtag like these these underdogs we're going to prove everyone wrong and it was a great story but they weren't actually a stacked team on paper and obviously after they made the finals everyone kind of turned around and said like revisionist history of oh yeah like the league <laughs> gifted them a great team and they were gifted a super team they really weren't a super team in that first year they were going purely off momentum and i think if seattle sort of forms the identity and it's definitely not too late to do this it's still very early in seattle's uh 10 years of the team and seattle definitely could form an identity where they become oh, everyone's doubting us. We started off uh, garbage. Why don't we click together and we, we start proving people wrong? So I definitely think it's not too late for them. And I want to see them turn it around. I want to see them start winning some games because that's when the media kind of catches onto their team. Right now, yeah. as I was saying before, like no one really, I don't want to say no one cares about them, but it hasn't been obviously their first win. It was exciting to see there's memes and stuff about that. But otherwise, no one's really talking about them because they aren't doing much. I think as soon as they start winning games, It'll become a, a fun story. So I, I want to see it and I hope to see them start clicking because I do actually like their team better than I liked Vegas in that first year. And I think it's just a matter of time before they they start sort of forming chemistry, forming identity. And I, I hope to see them go on a bit of a run. And that would be a lot of fun. I, li- I like that point. I mean, it's fair to say. Uh, I don't know. Like, has, has Seattle played a home game yet? No, they're really no. not ready yet. My dad's yeah. trying to go to their home opener, though. Do you know what it is by chance? It's it's sometime, I believe, this week. I believe it's tomorrow, I even want to say. Could be. I, I don't know. But that's the thing. I like, thought I did see something about that. Wait till they play a home game. Let's see if this place is rocking. Yeah, like, that's true. We, we haven't seen anything. Like, on the road. Look at this. Is what we're, we're looking everything into the eyes of Vegas. We're all looking from Vegas's point perspective, seeing, look what they did. They had so much success out of the gate. They had so much success in their first year. Look at the market they played in. The fortress was packed day one, preseason yes. even if you want to go that far. Yeah, go Seattle's on. Seattle's first game is Saturday. Home game is Saturday. That that place is going to be rocking on a Saturday night first game in franchise history. Wait till then to maybe lead, lead your uh, final opinion. I know we're not leaving any final opinions, but leave a big nail in the coffin for the Seattle Kraken because I can guarantee you they'll get it rolling. I don't know who they face. Who do they face? Do you? Did you the say Canucks. It? the Canucks? There you go. You can, you come you come out with a win against your rival up up north, buddy. This place is going to get rocking. Seattle's going to be back on the map. Not that it ever was off it, but it's it's really looking like this team was in the water, and I think they're going to emerge out of it like a crack in wood. And uh, I don't know. I think it's gonna I think it's gonna work out for them if they get that win. If not, you got to wait a little bit. There's going to be a, maybe a little bit of a confidence issue in the locker room. But I'm not running off this team just yet. I don't think any of you guys are. But I don't know. It's been mediocre. Grubauer hasn't been terrific. A lot of mediocre names, but I think if you get a home win, a win on home soil, start getting some things together, putting some pieces together, you can easily, like you said, Jared, make an identity. I think that's the biggest thing for this team to have success. Get an identity. Now you got a rep and now you got a bunch of wins in the win column. And now you're in a playoff spot. And maybe you might find yourself like the Vegas Golden Knights did in a stand like a final. Who knows? Yeah, it's knows? hockey. Anything can happen, man. Hockey's Anything can stupid. happen. I love it. Yes, sir. That's what a uh, 16, 17 years of a Leafs fan has taught me. But anyways. <laughs> We'll get into some signings to finish off the show. We've got, we've been running for, I don't know, about an hour, hour and a half. And we've been doing pretty well for ourselves. And uh, just to finish things off with some signings, uh, Brady Kachuk 
he uh, he finally met you guys were in the building. Actually, this guy was pumping yeah. it up, uh, yeah. pumping the Canadian Tire Center up, getting it rocking after he inked. Uh, he put pen to paper, signing a seven year, fifty seven point five million dollar deal. I'm really a little concerned why it took that long. I know I think I, don't, I think he didn't want really too much term, but he ended up getting a lot of term and a fair value, I would say. He's a terrific player. He's part of the core and he's going to lead them. Uh, hopefully for the Ottawa Sanders fans sake, the promised land, because he's definitely a big piece. I'll go through all the signings like we usually do. And then you guys just uh, sound off as you may. Ryan Pollock signed an eight year, $6.15 million deal. Uh, Nick Suzuki signed an eight year, $63 million deal. And Charlie McAvoy locked up a big time money for a defenseman here. And he's a top defenseman. He does deserve it. Eight years at $76 million. So I'll turn it over to you guys just now. Which signing is your favorite? And the biggest deal of the four is Evan Davis. Um, I would, I don't know if there were, I think the only steal would be Ryan Pulak at getting him at six, six million. I'm really not a fan of, like, I I understand guys like McAvoy, Suzuki, Brady, dude, like, I just, I don't think. Like I'm tired of like these types of players making this much, like this much money. Like I like I love Brady Kachuk. I I just I'm not a fan of eight million a year. Like it's just I like I'm I'm used to. I I wish they went back to the days where guys were taking bridge deals and like the three year deals. Like Taves and Kane, they took bridge deals and then got paid. Like it seems like these large contracts, like over time start to screw teams over because they're they're taking that small sample size and then they're hoping it rides for the next eight years like I just I I don't agree with it like I like I I agree with the the AAV for McAvoy I just I don't agree with the year like I agree with the AAV for these guys I don't agree for the, with the years why is that why is why are teams now starting to go the lengthy sort of place where they're locking up guys for seven, eight years, those maximums like, I don't, instead of bridge deals. I don't Patterson's know. is the only one that comes to mind that was a bridge deal that was, I think, could be beneficial. My yeah. personal reason why I, I'll turn over to you just now, but the only reason why I think they do that is because they don't want to see like a guy like Pedersen uh, produce. Like say he signed that massive deal. Well, he's on the bridge deal now. If he starts going off like he is, like, like we know he could with the Canucks, you only have him for three years. And that's the, compared to if you had him for eight, you have that increased window where he's producing at his best rate for your team. Now he can be producing at his best rate for your team. And by that third year, you don't have enough money to afford him. So you have to ship or he's got to go sign somewhere else. That's my perspective. I don't know. Do you see it that way? Like, that's why I'm a little questionable about these long signings. I just don't get it because even if you did a three-year bridge deal, they're still a restricted free agent. So it's not like they can really go anywhere. Like a team can offer sheet them, but then it's just like matching it. Like that doesn't seem to be the issue, but it's just like, I don't know. I've, I've not been a fan of rookies coming out of their rookie contracts and then instantly going to an eight year deal. Like it just doesn't, I, it's like, I, I think these guys are great. Just too small of a sample size still to tell. Like Brady Kachuk has played, I think two full seasons too, or is this, is this is his third season in the NHL? I think it's, so it's like, so it's like, come on, like, let's like, let's wait a little here. I also think Kachuk was is a bad example though, because he is a little overpaid for a guy that's never hit sixty points. I well, he's think also in Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, but he hasn't I, had much. Okay, Hell. remember, guys, don't just like 
that's one thing I don't like but what people say when people are talking about like Christian Dvorak coming to the the Canadians oh he put up 50 points in Arizona imagine what he'll put up in Montreal no he's still Christian Dvorak like you put Beatty to Chuck on Toronto okay maybe he gets 65 maybe 70 points it's still not an eight million dollar player I think when it, you're looking at the Kachuk deal, I think it was what else he brought into the table. Yeah. Like he, you look at, I'm just looking on a fantasy perspective because you know, that's my addiction these days, but he's shots balancing those. Yeah. <laughs> shots and hits, high shots, high hits. Now yeah. that works great for your fantasy roster, but I would, wouldn't say it's that bad of an idea for your NHL roster, the team you're trying to put together. And then yeah. he's a leader as well. He's probably going to get the captaincy, maybe even Tim Stutzel. He can go either way. No, Tim fall- Stutzel. He's too young. He is nah, too. It'll, it'll, it's it's to Chuck. McDavid it's, was a young guy too. It's to Chuck. It's really going to put Tim Stutzel with Connor freaking McDavid. Yeah, I, I don't mean it that way, but still, the I have the power to mute you. I can do that. <laughs> wow, it's going to mute the host. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, it's, it's, like, it's a poll. It's like bowl putting bowl. up a Prius with a Tesla. Like that's a, <laughs> a great comparison. Yeah, I, I could have worked a little bit better on that, but I meant the, I meant the age. And uh, I don't know, Jared, what do you make of the big signings? Uh, guys not going for, like guys going for longer deals, teams going for longer deals compared to short terms. I mean, I'm actually the opposite of Evan's opinion. I like that they're locking down these young guys long term. I mean, yes, there's risk to attach them because after only a small sample size, what if these guys end up not living up to it? So yes, there's definitely risk. But especially when you look at the situation of Brady Kachuk, it's not only what he does for them on the ice. He is the player that fans in Ottawa go to see. Fans in Ottawa want to see Brady Kachuk play. He's going to bring them so much like money in terms of merchandise and stuff like that. He's just such an important part of their team. Why wouldn't you want to tell the fans that you have faith in this player and are locking them down for eight the first eight years of their career? Like, I just, I like the idea of locking down a young kid for long term because why would you want to sort of kick the can down the road and be like, oh, in three years from now, we're going to have to do this all over again. And there's a chance that they hold out. And there's a chance that they leave the team. Why would you want to risk that? I think in my mind, I like the fact that you're locking down a player that you know is going to be a big part of your core moving forward. Why wouldn't you want to just get it signed and done with? And that is your captain for the next eight years. Like I personally, yes, you could talk about Brady Kachuk being overpaid. There's definitely an argument there. I, I think he certainly is overpaid. But I like the fact that they locked him down because it is it is known that Brady Kachuk is your next captain. He is purely the, the part of your identity moving forward. He's a, like a fun guy. Everyone loves him. He is also a good player. And like you said, he he provides everything on the ice from the hits to the to the everything. And I do think his production is going to go up as well. I, I like the fact that you're locking him down. You look at Nick Suzuki in Montreal, you can make an argument about, oh, the, the money and whatever. But that is a huge part of your core moving forward, especially if you look at how Montreal's doing this year where they clearly don't look like they're going to be a, a competitor. Why wouldn't you want to lock down your superstar centerman for the future long-term? Like, why wouldn't you want to get him locked down so you don't have to deal with the issues in a few years? And I personally like the fact that you take a young kid, you give them their money, and they're on your team for the, for the foreseeable future. I think GMs just don't like to gamble anymore. I think they like to play it safe. Lock up your guys, your young guys, especially. Uh, I think the one GM that has been gambling a little bit might be uh, Jim Benning. All right. He's been, I don't know, like that Patterson deal. I, I, I do think it could still bite them that three years. Like he's a terrific player. I, I'm, I'm sure if he uh, produces it the way he does, 
they're not going to be able to afford them because Vancouver is in a cap crunch as, as, as we speak. So I don't know. That's, I think those are the two sides you look at. I know I keep bringing up this Patterson example, but it's what we've seen in the last couple of months. We've seen him first and foremost in his contract talks and now signing that uh, bridge deal. It's, I think the bridge deal is going the way of the Dodo and it's, we're not seeing it as much. Like, can I say, I know I've been talking about, can I just say one go, thing before? Like, go ahead. Podcast. I, like, like, I think it's just because, like, but even if you, like, with the Pedersen, but if you look at the deals, like Taves and Kane, like, everyone knew how good they were. And I guarantee you teams were going to offer sheet them something. I just think GMs back then were also playing it more, like, smart to the point where it's like, we can sign, like, we can just, like, gauge how much they, re- like, how much more we should be paying them. Like, you can get to a point, knock on wood, with some of these guys, like, Kachuk, Suzuki, and McAvoy where you're like holy crap they're making this much like if you did a three-year and then do another evaluation like it's not the worst thing no that's 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 sort of like the point I'm trying to make like you can you could sort of build off of that rather than you're set in stone with that eight years you're in that guy's in the long haul for eight years all you have to do is trade him look at Jack Eichel like he signed a massive deal in Buffalo totally different circumstances obviously he got hurt good deal 10 million dollars is a steal for Jack Eichel yeah, 100%, but $10 million for a guy sitting in the yeah. uh, in the bar drinking <laughs> beers, that's, yeah. uh, I mean, that's my dream job, but uh, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I won't be complaining, but I'm sure the Buffalo Sabres are, like they're doing right now, they're throwing fits and not letting that guy go, and I hate it for the league, I hate it for the team, they're, they're, they're making more bad marks on themselves than they are good, yeah. everyone wants to see Jack Eichel, Buffalo fans want to see Jack Eichel get out of there, see what he can do, because I, I personally love him, he's one of, I, I've always loved him. I've always valued him more than Austin Matthews. I threw my bias out the window that way. I don't know. I love him. I love him. I love the way that's he plays. Really, that's a really bad take. Bad. I, I, no, it's bold. It's a, it's a bold take. I'll say that. It's not not bad. There's no bad takes. It's also a horrible I, take. Except that one. <laughs> it's out there. It's out there. I don't know. I've always, like, I, I'll live on that hill. I'll die on that hill. I've, I've said it at the beginning. It's not like I'm saying this yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. just now. Like, I started yeah. when he came out into the league, right? And Matthews followed up suit. So, I don't know. It's just been been just me. That's always been my slice of the cake for the uh, Eichel party. And I want to focus on Eichel now. I just want to focus on these signings. I know he's brought into the conversation all the time. We talk about contracts. And yep. uh, to finish it off here, if, anyone, if none of you have anything else to add, I'll just throw it to Mateo. What do you make of the signings, Mateo? We got a bunch to pick at here. Which one do you think was the biggest steal? And of course, what do you make of the term? I think that was a big discussion that we were uh, looking at. Eight years is better than three years. Three years better than eight. What do you what do you make of that? So I definitely agreed again with Jared's part of saying, like fans want to go to see the games uh, for the star players, and like players like Brady Kachuk and Nick Suzuki are what fans want to see. They're not going to go to a game to see Josh Norris and Drake Batherson stink it up every game. They're going to see Brady Kachuk score goals and and make the other team go crazy. Um, basically, so for the contracts, I agree with the longer contracts. I like that because. If you lock them down for longer, um, you won't have to worry in the future of signing them again. And if they're going to be your best player, like, for example, Ottawa here, I don't see anybody uh, that's going to be better than Brady Kachuk in the next few years unless they make a few good trades in the next few years. Like, Brady Kachuk needs to be on Ottawa for the future, and Nick Suzuki is going to be there, needs to be there for the future. Like, if Nick Suzuki is gone and he goes to another team, and Christian Dvorak's your number one signer, it's over for the Canadians. You know what I mean? So 
that's what I for sure have to say about that. Um, yeah, that's my take. I want to point something out about one of these contracts. Um, the I messed something up on my notes. You did? Oh, you did? No, did I? That's what I'm asking. Oh, no, no, no. That's not okay. what I was going to talk about. No, no, you're, you're good, man. You're good, man. Thank you, thank you. Um, Except my takes. Except my well, takes. Your, your, uh, your, your little uh, like blurb here is which signing is your favorite and uh, the biggest steal out of the four? Yeah. Um, I'll answer both of those with one. It's the best defenseman in the world. Just got paid best defenseman in the world money. Over eight years, too. I love Charlie McAvoy. He's no and Seth Jones. He is no Seth Jones. If Seth Jones can make 9.5, I guess so could Charlie McAvoy. Charlie, Charlie McAvoy is the best defensive in the world. He's probably, I'm not going to say Boston's best player, but he's up there. Evan's um, not having you. Evan, oh, okay, Evan, Evan's idea of defenseman versus my idea of defenseman are very different. Um, Everyone's we've, like, we've talked about this. No, 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 but like they're like, Evan's, Evan's like, this guy fully turned off his camera. He's off the grid. They're like, he said, I'm done. I'm done. You're the one I'm who's done. recording you this. tried to tell me Nurse was better. Get out of here. Um, McAvoy. If you asked a panel of 10 analysts, would you rather have analysts. Those Victor, are entertainers. Would, those are entertainers. McAvoy's great, if you, oh, yeah. if you had okay, first of all, him. don't disrespect because Elliot Friedman is an analyst, Chris Johnson no, he's is not. an no, they aren't, they're insiders. Oh, they're, they're not analysts. Yeah. Okay, well, 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 they're they insiders. are insiders, they're called analysts. Okay, Stephen A. Smith is an analyst too. Apparently, no. Skip Bayless is the clown. Russell, we call him Russell Westbrook, <laughs> a grown ass man typing. Russell Westbrook is an analyst, apparently. No, they're entertainers, they're not analysts. No, but I don't, th- but like, if you. Th- even if you asked NHL players, would you rather have Charlie uh, McAvoy? Those don't matter. Vic- the, that, those don't matter. Those are the guys so, you're going up against. Those will tell you Drew Doughty or the still like elite. No, 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 no. They're not that generous. But I'm saying like, like if you asked a panel of ten, I guarantee you, eight out of ten are taking Victor Hedman over Charlie McAvoy. That does not matter. That does not matter. <laughs> it does a little. It bit. does. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it does not. Can I ask, is there some personal connection in the McAvoy, or you're just like, no, he's on the Bruins. What the fuck? No, no, did he go to like one of your schools? McAvoy stroked him off. No, he did that one time, gave him a nice BJ. No, he's a great player to say he's the best in the world. He's not wrong, questionable. He's still a good, like, he's a great player. Like, I'd probably put, I'd put Hedman, I'd put Makar above him, but he's he's definitely in like my top five. Yeah, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, like, you can absolutely say, I'm just fucking with you. I could absolutely, you could absolutely say Hedman's the best, you could absolutely say Makar's the best, but McAvoy is 100% in the conversation. Reason why he's making the money, man. And the only reason he doesn't put up the crazy points is because he's pretty shitty on the power play. That's why he's not putting up these ridiculous point totals. But if he was good on the power play, like he's these best defensemen and it's like unanimous too. But his point totals is what's holding him back. But when you look at his five on five numbers and what he does on the Bruins and just watching him, the ice tilts so much in his favor when he's on the ice, just the way he's able to use his edges is like, he's so good at like defending the rush. He's, um great in transition even on offense he's really good De- defense don't even get me started I, I need to stop gushing about charlie mcavoy i love charlie mcavoy and i'd give up mitch marner for him check that off the bingo card mention mitch marner and something that had nothing to do with him i was i was agreeing you up until this point until you brought up that no yeah that was um 
I, I'm although I, I 200% would, and I even go like, come on, he's if mad, I think he, mad, if, I, if I think he's the best defenseman in the world, why wouldn't I give up Mitch Marner? I'd give up Nylander too. Don't worry. For for McAvoy, I would as much as as much as that hurt my heart. Oh, I mean, like I said Marner was overpaid, but not that he was dog shit. Like I don't think I would give up <laughs> McAvoy for him. Like I would need McAvoy and like DeBrus. You got to remember, McAvoy is only twenty three too. Like he's. Signing an eight-year deal only brings him till he's what thirty. This is why we're media students. Come on, till 31? he's what thirty-one. There you go. Um, till he's thirty-one. So that's still like you locked up his prime. That's what you did. And at nine point five for a guy like him, I I think it's a steal. No, I mean he's he getting paid more the money than Marchand and Bergeron. Well, he yeah, that's getting... because at the time. Yeah, at yeah. the time of their contracts. At the time of their contracts, it's like you could say the same thing. Oh, McKinnon's only making six point three. McKinnon's got the best contract in the league. Yeah, yes. that's what I was gonna say. Like, you can't look at the best example and be like, "Oh, why aren't you getting as much as this player?" Well, that player's on an absolute. That's the reason yeah, he's the best contract. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you contracts can't look at that ways. as your example. They're either they age really well or they age completely garbage. This it's, one's there's no one age in between. like fine wine. Oh, yeah. Or it's the Bruins too. Anyways, Gosh. I think that concludes the episode. You guys got a dodgeball game to catch, right? Oh no, the Dodgers are losing. Dodge Fathers, Dodge Fathers, baby. I'm a. Am I expecting a, a dub tonight? Here's uh, going yeah. joyful, joyful. Five and one. Five and I hope one. so, boys. boys. We're bringing on a chip. Yeah. 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 Dodge Fathers official on Instagram. Follow it up for Big updates plus. on the Dodge Fathers Big uh, season. We post injury updates, trade acquisitions, and uh... oh, yeah, <laughs> your boys running the media team over there. What a boy! Heard uh, the the captaincies made its way to Jared. Uh, how does well, it feel, okay, Dynasty, sir? Adamo is still our captain, but he, uh, per the group chat, he gave me the honor to wear the C for today's game yep, while he's, he's injured. Um, <laughs> it's a questionable decision. It's like if Crosby's out, he gives the C to someone else. Else, else, like Gaston Breeze. No, like if he gave it to <laughs> something you usually see, but you know. Uh, he he decides to go for it. That was the captain's move, not mine. But I'll yeah. I'll take that C any day. Oh yeah, I just well, you look at the kid. He just fires the boys up. You know, he may not even be. You know, he's not not not. I wouldn't necessarily say he's our best player. He's really good at dodging, throwing. I think he could agree. He's a little work. <laughs> oh, there we go. We're back. Oh yeah. Hey, okay, uh, clap it up for Mister Evan Davis over there. Again, just ended. Ended the Zoom call randomly mid-conversation. <laughs> As we were touching upon the most valuable aspect of our team, Jared Rottenberg donning the C, momentum uh, in the uh, Dodgefathers uh, court here, if you will. And uh, I don't know. I mean, how's he going to represent the C? We'll have to wait and see. We'll, we'll wait but, and find uh, out, but I'm excited we'll for it. it He's fired up. The kid's fired up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Adamo's uh, got faith in the kid. I mean, oh, uh, I'm proud. I've groomed him. You know, I'm like, the, I'm like the John, He's a little Norris, the, silent, the silent, like the, the, you know, not the, the rowdy leader that I am, you know, like the straight business captain serious. And then uh, Jared's Jared's more that like fire the boys up, get us hype, get us rolling. I love it. Is there, I'm, uh... I'm Jason Spezza out there. <laughs> Stay tuned for the post game interviews. Is, is, oh, there yeah. a, is, is there a dress code? Like, did you uh, wore oh, that? Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, that was going to be my next question. Should we, should we talk about that, too? 
when this wraps up, I have to consider what I have to wear for this game. You know, I've oh, done. Are you coming in soon? Are you going was, like? Can I wear socks the belt? and sandals? Wait, Jared, can I wear the Bel Air jersey again? Yeah, yeah. First game we went basketball jerseys. Second game we went Hawaiian jerseys. We've got to follow that up well. We got to think about that. I see. You got to go. We got to pull up in suits one time. <laughs> if we make the finals, I don't have a suit up here. It's my issue. If we, we make the finals, we got to pull up in like actual dress wear, dress attire. You know? I'm down. <laughs> I'm we so down. Up, we got to pull up in those uh fucking pants that you rip them off and like, like you know how they're like, <laughs> you could just cleanly rip them off. Like we just show up in those pants and then we have like the high waisted shorts that like go like up to half your thighs. Question is, are we willing to pitch in for a limo if we make the finals? Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like a party bus. <laughs> Just play the song, I don't fuck with you. We do win the party. The party Just on win. blast, we read. Yeah. Everyone's like standing out of the sunroof. Like, walking in like we already won the chip. If we won, we're doing a championship parade 100%. Dundas score is going to be in rocking. the middle of Dundas. Oh, yeah. It, it'll, yeah. It'll have more fans than the WNBA. Wait. Oh, chill. Uh, relax. Chill, chill. getting published. Relax. Oh, Mario's going to have some editing. Yeah. yeah. I got my hands full here. Thanks a lot, Evan, for the, the extra work. Yeah. I'm not going to sleep tonight. Bro. Put a coffee on. It's like Absolute when you're waving to your moron. parents, but you can't find your parents. Yeah, he's what? What did that even mean? I, didn't I don't know. know. <laughs> Try making it. I don't know. It's a Didn't hurt. Didn't hurt. Okay. We were so Evan's close just guys. like we were he lost so all his honors. He's not going to be commissioner next year. He's never running oh. the Zoom call again. Ex- explain why, Jared. Why, why isn't Evan our commissioner next year? Because dude, the Yahoo <laughs> tradition wiped out our whole team. To, uh, three, two three leagues, two separate three leagues. leagues. Even no, the basketball no. one. Because no, like do basketball too. For yeah, whatever he, he wiped out every league. Like, he just deleted no. the draft for, for some reason. For whatever <laughs> reason, Yahoo's traditional settings now are like you can only switch your lineup like on Mondays. And then like I had, it, yeah, and then I get I get that it was annoying, but then we you, we agreed. You're like okay, the one league we're gonna restart it so you could change those settings. You took a separate league that was already fine on those settings. And wiped that out too. <laughs> then you wiped out. You're like, acting like I. You're acting like I wiped out your teams and gave you like whole new players. No, you gave us our players no, back. It's it just like a league a week later. He was kind. He was kind. Well, of last week didn't count. No, like, yeah, it doesn't it, matter. It, like last week, week was like three won. days. It lasted. And I also I wanted to go back and see like when I drafted players. That's a that's done for now. Who the fuck cares? Like, They're on your team. You drafted. Yeah, them. but I still want to go back and look at the draft where I reached, where I didn't. Okay, you know what? You reached on everyone. Ooh. You know how much of a pain in the ass it would have been to have to reorder the entire draft. I agree with you. But first of all, you wiped out the wrong league. Like, double check if you're wiping out a league. It was very stressful. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's that's opening up the pod. Oh, yeah. Yeah, It was very stressful. We get get an actual intro with, like, boys and highlights. Oh, like Steve Dangle style? That's what I was thinking, Steve Dangle type of like, this team is ruining my life. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going through the editing uh, editing tonight. I'll catch them. I'll catch them. All right. You make us look pretty. Wrap us up, Mario. (laughs) Uh, I'll make everyone look pretty by you, Evan. You hit hit record four times. Evan, let me shake some like, some criminal on him. <laughs> oh, I have I have a piece. I mean, Evan, we're doing it was on our one of our anchor streams. This guy was singing the lineup with the Dodgers. Oh, Tempted yeah. to throw yeah, it in yeah. the intro. It was awesome. 
Mm-hmm. Loved it. No, that that's definitely getting. Oh fuck! Though. It's three nothing Atlanta. Shit! Scott, All right, we're going schoolwork time. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> schoolwork time. Oh, Mister, don't, don't even get me started on that one. Okay, you need to learn to let it go. The... This is All right, we have to, we actually have to go. This is like the yeah. game is like oh, you guys gotta get you guys yeah, gotta, you gotta get gotta go. Yeah, we gotta season nine thirty. Yeah. Everyone All reach. Right. Now yeah, can I? Pack the bar. Not yet. No, <laughs> let him I accidentally clicked stop. No, you didn't. No, no, no you, you would have heard it. Let, let Mario wrap us up, kid. Thank you. They have faith in me. I'm, I've never gotten Everyone's this much mute. confidence. We're, we're Let's go. Mute. All right. That That's concludes. Not the right color. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh. That concludes episode week five, episode five, season two of the Leafs Line podcast. Uh, I would like to thank all these members, excluding Evan. No, I'm kidding, Evan. You are welcome. Uh, I'd like to thank you guys all for hopping on the cast. It was a fun one, to say the least. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. It was a great time to finally talk hockey, regular season hockey, uh, getting back into the swing of things. And it's going to be like this, hopefully, uh, for the rest of the season. Some good content and some good uh, good things to talk about, including the Dodge Fathers on their route to Let's hope a championship here. We got uh, Jared leading the pack for the time being. Adamo's on the, uh, he's on the, he's going to return soon. We'll see what goes on there. And we'll I anticipate some nice news coming my way. But again, that wraps up season two, episode five of the Leafs Line podcast. Uh, drop a like on the video if you would like. Please subscribe to the channel. We could use all the support. I got to get used to saying all this stuff because totally brand new for me. I feel YouTuber. like a YouTuber. YouTuber. Let's go. Anyways, uh, Hit that like button. Turn that bell on for the notifications. I know I'm botching this. Uh, And uh, yeah, just do whatever you got to do. Help us out a little bit and uh, we'll help you with some great NHL context. So thank you everyone for tuning in uh, and have a great evening. Evan, do what you do best, man.